get it going. It's time to get up. Patterson to the line. Nate Schmidt with a shot tipped in front. They score. JT Miller in the slot with a deft deflection. Jordy Ben dumps it into the corner, and the losing streak is over for the Canucks as Thatcher Demko picks up his first career regular season shutout. These guys are here to break it all down. That was a solid game. Some good efforts tonight. That was a tight, it was a tight checking game both ways. Demmer held down, held the fort down. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Hey, look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me. This is the starting lineup. Here's James Zabolski and Perry Solkowski. Rise and shine, Metro Vancouver. It is game day in the city once again here on this Tuesday, March 2nd. This is the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. James Sabalski here. Perry Solkowski there. Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass. We're kicking it with you until 9 o'clock this morning here on Sportsnet 650 on the AM dial in HD3 at 96.9, or also streaming on the Sportsnet app. You know the details. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Always open for business. Always welcome the debate and the discussion. And don't forget your assignment after each and every Canucks game. Canucks in a song. We'll play it. You're playing it. Pick out the song, the music track, the best sums up. The Canucks' performance last night, and we'll hit the music over the course of the morning as well. How about that performance last night for a team? Sometimes the odds and the numbers just don't add up. And, Pear, I told you, I had a hunch, had a feeling, and the one team that was one of the hottest in the NHL got spanked by one of the teams that was one of the worst in the NHL. I am going to listen to you all show rather than tune you out when you say, here's my pick for the night. Pal, you said it. You said there's nothing logical about this, but the Vancouver Canucks are going to play well. Uh, they are going to win in Winnipeg. Full credit to you. Uh, you know what I like? Hey, it, it, it's one game, but you know what I like? I thought they weren't great. I thought everyone was good. And if you're moving a big piece of furniture and you've got 10 guys rather than two, it makes it easier. So no one went to bed in Winnipeg last night completely exhausted. In fact, Travis Green, because of the situation, able to kind of make sure the minutes are spread out. Well, Winnipeg was chasing. Some of those guys played a lot more. Hey, it was good. Good call on your part. It's, it's one game. It, it means nothing tonight if they don't get a result. Uh, as I said, the motto of March, enjoy the games. Don't look at the standings. <laughs> Unless Calgary and Montreal continue to fall off cliffs like they've been doing for the last few months. And then maybe in another two weeks, you can start thinking about it again. Is that fair? Yeah, no, it's completely possible. I mean, I, I joke, but if you win tonight and the Leafs, who have been so good uh, with injuries and backup goalies, and you pull one off on Thursday, yeah, you look because Calgary's struggling. And actually, in the last 10 games, Canucks got a better record than Calgary. They've got a better record than Montreal. Uh, there's And the fact is you're not halfway through. Uh, enjoy yesterday, but it can mean nothing today unless you have that exact same performance against a good hockey team that's going to be Alley. Uh, nothing fancy last night from the Vancouver Canucks last no. night. Uh, but you know what? Just a just a solid team effort. Dare I say maybe the best team effort that we've seen uh, from the Canucks last night. And, and man, like all the things that you've looked for from this team just waiting. How about traffic in front of the net? All three goals in the first period, all courtesy of traffic in front. The Schmidt shot going off cop. Miller with the tip-in. Hoaglander with the tip-in. Creating some traffic. You get three goals on the first five shots. You know, 
the Jets just seemed a little off last night, but the Canucks, you saw them as a group. I thought John Garrett had a great example of that multiple times in the broadcast on the TV side, just showing the group collectively coming back in their own zone at a time where everybody has just seemed to be doing their own thing, going rogue, trying to do it themselves. Last night seemed like a team buy-in performance, and I don't know how many times we could say that so far through the first 25 games of this season. Was there a moment last night, and this team probably has two or three a game, where you're watching the game and go, shoot the puck. No. You know what? They did. They simplified everything. Sometimes they're coming down at a bad angle, but you know what? We're going to get a shot on goal. Nate Schmidt talked about it. Just make sure you don't have your shot blocked. Find that lane and let it go and see what happens. And to your point, one off a stick, couple deflection. It's in. Nothing was pretty. Sometimes it seemed to be going against the grain of the play. But guess what? You did everything simple. You played defense simple as a five-man unit. You got the puck at the net to see what could do. You took some bodies. You worked hard. And I think they leave with a little bit of a lunch bucket feel. This team has so much creativity and always want to make that great play that even when they were losing, they were still making to make the perfect play. Let's make it look good. They didn't. That first unit power play was terrible in that first power play. But, hey, they got off the ice, shot from the point. It's in the back of that take. All right, figure it out from there. Uh, that's what was good about it. It wasn't like, oh, we don't need Pedersen to go. That lotto line's got to be great again tonight. No, they just have to play that kind of hockey tonight, maybe a little bit better, and they can, to see if they can squeak it away. Their simplest effort and maybe their best 60-minute effort. That's, you know, a complete team effort. And Thatcher Demko, hey, how about that? Gets the donut last night. Gets the shutout. Um, you know, and, and I think afterwards last night spoke to how this collectively, exactly like we discussed, this was probably the best defensive effort so far this season. I think uh, over the last handful of games that our, our defensive side of the things is, is coming along really nicely. And, um, you know, tonight was kind of the pinnacle of, of building up to this point. And, um, you know, as a group, we just got to keep keep going and keep growing on that side of things. You know, like Hammer said, having that foundation, that consistency there and being able to rely on that and kind of going from there. So there's Thatcher Demko who who gets it done. Beautiful shutout for him. And, and again, you know, I don't know how much danger there were. Like there was a couple of times no. that you know it was like late in the third. You could feel Winnipeg starting to push a little bit more, but there there wasn't a lot of times that you really felt like, man, Thatcher Demko had to stand on his head. Like this was a solid defensive effort. And at the other end, look, the Canucks only had 19 shots on goal, right? But you know, you had those shots in the early going that found their way through a dink, a dunk, you know, a couple of deflections here. That helps. And how many times have the Canucks been victims of those types of goals so far this season, Pair? I think if you're a Canucks fan who have been just absolutely beside yourself watching this season kind of unravel, it's nice to finally see something go back the other way. Well, it usually evens out, but it just, and there's still a lot that has to go on to even it out. But, you know, there was no need to say Thatcher Demko was bubble Demko yesterday. He made some key saves. There was a point where he lost his stick, and you're going, okay, we got to find something there. Um, but he was there when they needed him. And, yeah, the goals were against the grain. You remember that easy one he landed up against Winnipeg last week, side of the net, you're going against the other side of the net, pull you over, you get you, oh, man, that's, that's against the play. It just seemed like they were content. And James, I I don't know if it was you I was texting with. There was a whole bunch of people texting. They're up 2 nothing. It's early in the game. You go, oh, gosh. I mean, 
they are way too much hockey to play to see this team cave in now. They'll lose 7-2. And I think mentally the fan base actually thought, all right, these guys just don't have it in them. Nate Schmidt talked about it as well. All right, after the first period, guys, let's not give up that 3 nothing lead. And they were almost giving up that late goal we always talk about in the first. But they play through that. They play a good second period, took that push in the third from the Jets. But they leave with a bunch of confidence. Uh, take it for what it's worth. But it's one game. One game is not a streak. These guys got to reel off three or four and then lose one and reel off another three and four. But let's see. It's a start. It means nothing if tomorrow morning we're talking, oh, great. One and one Winnipeg does nothing. Well, you know, have you seen what this schedule looks like for the Canucks here this month? None of it looks good. I mean, the schedule doesn't look good for anybody. But tell you what, when you can look at Winnipeg and beat them and you go, maybe we'll get them from Toronto, it's, it is what it is, right? You know, the six teams. So last night kicked off a stretch. So, the, you know, we, we kind of talked about how, hey, this team just had their longest stretch off. They had three days off. Look at that in between games. That's nice. A little breath of fresh air. They play 13 in the next 24 starting last night. So now they've got 12 in the next 23 starting tonight when they go back to back. But it's pretty much every other night um, with a couple of back-to-backs, like tonight in case, but 13 games in the next 24 days up until March 24th. And so another one with the Jets tonight. Then you go with the Leafs uh, for two. Then you got the Habs. Oh, remember those guys? Yeah, they, uh, the Habs might be looking at Vancouver right hey, now right going, up. hey, there's the perfect tonic. Hey, Tyler Toffoli, remember us? But, you know, there was some encouraging signs last night that maybe this team just needed the reset. They needed the three days off. Off. And you look at some individual performances. Tell you what, I have I, I, like I'm not the biggest Adam Goddard guy, but he looked engaged last night out there. You know, Tyler Myers again to me. You know, I think Tyler Myers I, he's low hanging fruit for a lot of people that just want to hate on Tyler Myers. I get the penalties and all that, but I, I I like what Tyler Myers has brought on the ice. He's competed this year. And how about Elias Pettersson at the end of the game? There he is out trying to protect the lead. You know, the Jets have the empty net, and man, I love his effort along the wall and comes up with the empty net goal to finish things off. I mean, I like that effort from Elias Pettersson last night. Something Travis Green has said, he's talking to Petey about, if you want to be that superstar, you have to be able to play in all situations and it just can't be about creating the offense. So he has had those conversations with him and, you know, the fact that the Jets pull their goalie. And is it just me or is everybody pulling their goalie so early now? They're down by three, five minutes left, they pull their goalie. They go, that's the way to do it. That's how you play the game. Uh, and so, you know, Green wasn't going to be able to go down and go, hey, we're only going with a couple lines. There was five minutes of hockey left. So Petey gets over there, understands the situation. And again, that's just smart, hard work. And they got that from everyone. You know, you look at that line. I thought Jay Beagle's line was pretty good. You know, they gave you 10 minutes of hockey. And that may be the difference maker, James, when you're chasing a game. You know, a guy like Shifley plays five more minutes than, than Miller does, right? So maybe Shifley's emptied a little bit more of the tank. You take advantage of that. You talk about the schedule. Well, the Leafs got today off, but they'll be playing back-to-back. They got the orders tomorrow, then they'll fly into Vancouver. So it'll be three and four for the Leafs. So you try and take advantage of the schedule if it gives you an opportunity. It's easier to take advantage of if you didn't go 23 minutes and chase the game the whole time. And that wasn't the Canucks yesterday. They got it from four lines. They got everybody was really good. Nobody was spectacular. That's probably the best way to get things going as far as getting a streak. Speaking of individual performances, uh, Niels Hoaglander, he tried it. He no, tried he it. Did. You've been waiting. You've been waiting. Boy, kid. You've been oh. waiting for it. Here's what Hoaglander uh, had to say about attempting the Michigan last night. Yeah, I mean, it was a good 
opportunity to, to try that, uh, but nothing happened. So, yeah, I think it was a good try to, to try that. So, so there you go. I think everybody's been waiting. All the me, all the memes of Leo DiCaprio pointing to the TV like that scene once upon a time in Hollywood, and and everybody waiting for that moment. Uh, look, it was quickly squashed. It was quickly shut down. But I'll tell you what, you're seeing it more and more in the league. Sidney Crosby tried it earlier this season. He failed. Trevor Zegras tried it last night for the Ducks. Uh, almost did it. You know, almost did it on his first NHL goal. Imagine that for your first ever NHL goal, and that's how you score. But uh, like the creativity, it, it, it ultimately failed. Um, but Hoaglander got one last night on a redirect, and you know, Walker and Sat talked about this more last night, and, and we've talked a bit about this over the last couple of weeks, Pair, You know, Hoaglander, he might ultimately be, you know, when this roster ultimately properly fills itself out, if it ultimately ever does, he might be a third-line guy, you know, a top-nine mm-hmm. player as opposed to a, a pure top-six player. But, you know, he brings energy on a nightly basis, and um, and that's the one thing you like to see from the rookie. He may not necessarily be the offensive wonder kid that some people uh, started to think from uh, one week of training camp, but he does bring it, man. He does bring it. He come, comes out to compete on a nightly basis, and that's the one thing that's easy to like about him. Hey, he took full advantage of a void that was given him, uh, the void that this team doesn't have someone in that top six role. But I don't care if this guy's third line, if gets minutes fourth line, he is never going to lack confidence, right? So, hey, if Hoaglander's on the third line and you're that much better above him, then that's good because he may not have those hands. Gets one yesterday, which was great. But I don't care where he plays. If he plays 15 minutes or he plays 10 minutes, six minutes, that guy's never losing his confidence. And to sit behind the net, which obviously he feels more comfortable getting that puck on his stick than he would sliding out and trying to go top shelf with the backhand. Uh, it was great. We are going to see it. I hope like, I hope we see it now. I can't wait to see it when there's 18,000 people in the crowd going crazy. As I said, Zegers tried it yesterday in Anaheim, lifted it up, and was going there. Goalie knocks it off his stick. Uh, boy, geez, the, the, the Spaldings that these kids have coming in to play in the NHL. To go, you know, I'm pulling this off, but if you've done it a thousand times in practice, why not try it now? But Hoaglander will always be an energy guy wherever he is. I like the fit that he had on that line now. Uh, just because he's that buzzsaw, so he makes everybody better. But love the confidence that he's trying that. 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, I want to get to some text. We'll, we'll hear from Elliot Friedman, who was on the uh, the Fan 960 in Calgary, weighing in on the uh, Jake Vertanen trade rumors uh, yesterday. I want to get to those in a moment, but here are a few people chiming in. Uh, Chris and Duncan uh, saying it's not called the Michigan, it's the lacrosse. Look, Chris, I think in fairness, I think hockey is trying to claim this as their own sort of play now as opposed to just calling it the lacrosse school. They got the name for it, where it originated, and I will say this, we did this when voicing the lacrosse goal in the NHL 21 video game. Um, Very steadfast that it is uh, the Michigan from a hockey standpoint. So not to say that Electronic Arts and EA Sports is the be-all, end-all, but that was how we've kind of verbalized that in the video game. So we're sticking to it here on this show, too. Yeah, that's that's the Americans taking ownership of it, right? Because we had Mike Leg on, who is it? Maple Ridge, Mike's a, a firefighter who scored that goal in Michigan. Um, so I, I think anybody south of the border just calls it the Michigan. If you see those highlights, oh, he tried the Michigan. Sveshnikov's got the Michigan. I think up here it's lacrosse, right? I mean, what do you do with the puck? You go like that. You first time you cradle a lacrosse ball in your stick, you're doing exactly that. You take it to a hockey puck in a stick. 
I'll think it's lacrosse, but I guess if you technically have to answer a test, I would answer Michigan. Uh, another text in here. Uh, remember last night's game, uh, gentlemen. This will be the turning point for this franchise. They played as a cohesive unit, and like you said, they have so much creativity. But when you start doing the simple things right and it starts clicking, that's when your creativity starts to shine, when you have room and space to show, to make those creative plays. Um, and, and you know what? I think that's a, you know it's funny. Ron McLean took a lot of heat on social media for something he said uh, on this show on Friday morning. That hey, look, you know if you know the Canucks are on the cusp of going on a run, he thought you know, just the way that this team's playing, they're close. But uh, there seems to be a real sense of hey, you know what? This is an opportunity. You know, Chris and Duncan also kind of following up here, pair just uh, suggesting hey, look, when you got a lot of confidence. Um, it, it's okay uh, to have a lot of games in the month of March. And, you know, now if this team is feeling confident, you got all these games in front of you. Look, it's one game. It's one win. Let's not put the cart before the horse. But at the same time, there, it was a, it was, it's a win to build on because it was a team win last night. Yeah, I mean, it, it's 60 minutes of hockey, and it was good hockey. No one had to be spectacular, but it means absolutely nothing if by 8 o'clock tonight they've lost, right? You have, to, you have to put together three or four to climb out of the hole that you dug. And were they as bad as the record showed? No. Um, I, I'll take the onus and the fact that, uh, you know, everybody was all right. Nobody was great. Everybody was good, and that's how you have to beat the Winnipeg Jets. So you get back the two you lost to them last week. Then we start something. But to say they're on a run, no. They, they, they got mom and dad to drop them off at the track. They're not on a run yet. Maybe, maybe they're pointed towards the blocks. But it is very early on to think this Canucks can turn it around. But I do think, as is the case, and, and we, we hear it all the time, Bieksa talks about it. I mean, the fan base just is so Canuck crazy that we've, we've thrown it away, going there's absolutely no way mathematically that they can find a playoff spot disagree we're halfway through the season you know could they be a, a 600 percent hockey team in the final 28 games that's possible i mean in montreal the struggles in calgary the struggles and you don't know when they're getting out of it maybe the canucks finally are going to see results from some good hockey they played in the last four weeks Elliot Freeman uh, weighed in on the Jake Rutanen rumors that got uh, really hot on Saturday and then have kind of quieted down once again. But here is Elliot Freeman, Sportsnet Hockey Insider on the Fan 960 in Calgary, weighing in uh, on those rumors and just how close it was. But here's what uh, the Hockey Insider had to say on the future of Jake here in Vancouver. Rutanen is a million less than Heinen this year. And while Heinen doesn't have a contract next year, Rutanen's at 3.4. Like, that's cash not cap that's cash and i just don't i think the two teams are like dollar for dollar they want uh dollar for dollar and you know they couldn't get it there i don't i I was told it was never a one-for-one deal that they were talking about uh other players um you know one of the players i think that anaheim might have talked about in there was Derek grant um that was one rumbling i'd heard uh but you know it you know, it wasn't anything that the two sides could agree on. So, like, they may try again. They obviously have tried several times over the past week. But on Saturday, I just heard people weren't very optimistic. Okay. So there's Elliot Friedman. And, and look, man, I get it. And we talked to Kevin BX yesterday as well. He kind of said the same thing. There's not a lot of money in Anaheim right now. But I, I get it from a duck standpoint. Why the hell would you take Jake Vertanen for one more year where now the cap hit might be 2.5, but the dollars that 
almost three and a half million at three point four million, where Heinen's an expiring contract. Now, who's got the higher upside? Obviously, it's Jake. But man, at three point four million next year, that's a you know you better sweeten the pot, or the Canucks better assume some money. I mean, I, like if I'm a, if I'm a dance partner here with the Canucks. I don't want to eat $3.4 million on its own unless there's something going the other way that we're able to unload. You know what I understand? Yeah, I, listen, the, the Vertana talk is never going to go away, and Jake was like a lot of other guys. He, he wasn't a liability. He helped the cause last night. Uh, winning will quell all the conversation. We spent yesterday going, okay, what about Sutter? He'll be in the trading block, and he will. Um, you know, I, I think for this team to turn it around where you're going, okay, we can't get rid of anybody come trade deadline would be a surprise. If the team plays well and if Jake is still in that top six role, he becomes more attractive and they go, hey, maybe he has turned it around. I do think if it comes to that, the Canucks have made their decision. You know, if Jake gets on an absolute roll, I think, okay, we can finally move him. We've given him so many tries. He's just hot for a couple weeks. Let's sell high. But you win and all those conversations quiet as far as the fan base. But if you win and the team's doing well and Jake's in that spot, I do think it becomes a little more palpable to go, hey, we might be able to move number 18 now. All right, 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Fill it up quickly this morning with your Canucks in a song. Let me kick off the dance party here this morning, Canucks-style pair. I see the Nate Schmidt goal last night. I see the JT Miller goal last night. I see the Niels Hoaglander goal last night. The Canucks getting in the lane. I'm going a little Jimi Hendrix classic, Crosstown Traffic. man getting in the lane and getting benefits as a result there's my Canucks so not bad uh I liked it I, I guess maybe um yesterday if you're watching the Oilers the Leafs you're you're on social media you saw Justin Bieber turn 27 yesterday they showed a great thing on sports when Chris Pronger nails the beeps of the boards and just hold them there hey the guy's a hockey fan that's good so I'm thinking Beaver in my head, and then a buddy goes, what's going on with the Canucks game? As he was getting set, I go, hey, I won't believe it. They're up up 3 nothing." And he was kind of like, really? How? And I thought of Beebs, and I thought of that 60-minute effort we saw going, hang on here. Are, are, are you that good? Are you just got lucky last night? And I thought, what do you mean? Oh, what do you mean? Said you're running out of time. What do you mean? Oh, 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 what do you mean? Better make up your mind, what do you mean? Make up your mind, you're running out of time, what do you mean? Enjoyed the performance, don't know if it lasts. That's Mike Canucks in the song. Uh, Cam and Surrey on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. He's going with, uh, you know what, something from the high school musical soundtrack. It's start of something new. Shout out to Zach Efron there, right? Made a lot, probably made a lot of money off those movies. Has there ever been like a TV show about high school students actually with high school students in it? Like they're usually all 26, 27 years old. Why is that? De- Degrassi. I think Degrassi is probably the one that actually had high school students. They were students. actually in high school? That I'm, was I'm with gonna, Drake? I think so. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess so. No, but like early Degrassi, like mid-80s Degrassi, not like when... 
Not next generation with Drake. I'm talking the old school. Uh, how about East Van Tommy? He was shocked that the Canucks were able to hold on to a lead, that dreaded two-goal lead and the ferocious three-goal lead. He's got It's a Miracle by Barry Manilow. It's a miracle, miracle. a true Jay and Lady Smith, man, we got some we got some bubblegum pop music going this morning. Wow. Pair. How about this yeah, one? Bear. This one from the '90s, a little S Club. Don't stop loving. And as we've learned, pair ain't no party like an S Club party, man. People going way old back. Barry Manilow, my goodness gracious. A Bing Crosby that did something that might have reflected last night's game? <laughs> Randy Janda, uh, your former co-host from the uh, legendary, the iconic Vancouver classic talk show On Point, uh, now the star of uh, Reach Deep. Reach Deep. Deep. Uh, Big rap guy. Weekdays, yeah. Uh, and he's got this one. Hopefully I'm pronouncing it properly. It's Scott Rhodes, Selly style. It's Tutak Tutak Tuthian. So 650, 650, Dunbar Lumber text line at Sportsnet 650 is where you can hit us up on Twitter as well. Love to hear the submissions, where your headspace is at with this team. I'll tell you what, man. You get a sense that this market was just dying for a win because the the positive energy on social media last night you could see it and even this morning there's there's a little bit of hope and optimism in the air even though it feels like it's a mile away and the talk is more about selling assets. Hey, you know what people love? People love to win, and people it's, love seeing it, a win. Yeah, it's it's the six forty nine ticket that you pull out, and you hit the first number. Okay, like, stop looking, man. Stop looking. Just feel good. Walk away. Walk away. You got one number, right? But uh, who are we to, to rain on their prey? They've got one, and uh, I'll get a little more giddy up in my step if we're talking like this tomorrow. Go, hey, man, Winnipeg, that's not easy. They were playing good hockey. They've got to bring on the leash. But, yeah, positive vibes. That's what's in the Canucks Nations today. Here comes the keep it real police, Danny and Brookswood. Boys, the absolute worst case scenario here is that we go on a bit of a run and decide not to trade Tanner Pearson or try to trade anybody <laughs> else, then do nothing to get better, nothing to get worse, and we are stuck in limbo even longer. There's Danny with a cold glass of shut the hell up, everybody, and keep it real. So there you go. We'll get into more of it over the course of the morning. It is 26 minutes after 6 o'clock here on this Tuesday. It's another game day. The Canucks and the Jets round two for this week going down 5 o'clock here on Sportsnet 650. In a moment, hey, you know what? Maybe it isn't the Buffalo Sabres after all. Maybe, maybe it just might be Jack Eichel. We'll get into it next when Seaball says here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. You know, I was like to take this opportunity to talk about myself. Seaball says on Sportsnet 650. 6.32 here on this Tuesday morning, round two this week for the uh, Canucks and the Jets. Vancouver trying to make it two in a row. Uh, three o'clock pregame show, five o'clock puck drop. He's Perry Solkowski. I'm James Sabolski. Elliot Friedman was on our sister station, the Fan 960 in Calgary, on Monday afternoon, and he weighed in on the latest drama surrounding Jack Eichel as the Sabres sink to the bottom of their division again. Buffalo has to know where this is headed. If he was not happy 
last year, is he going to be any happier this year? And the way it's going, the answer's got to be no. So the question is, how are they going to handle this? Um, you know, I think the thing is, like, are, are you, are you, if you do it now, can you make your best deal? Or are you smarter to wait until after the season when everybody knows what their contract statuses are, when teams are going to have the 10% bonus cushion to use, like all of that stuff. And like, I think they're, like I said this last week or two weeks ago in Buffalo, I think there are teams like the Rangers and Kings who could do it now. Mm -hmm. I just think the biggest question is what does Buffalo want here? You know, what do they think? Um, you know, they just had a horrible weekend. I don't think you should make this kind of a trade when you're emotional. I think you should try to create the biggest off auction you can try to create and then just go from there. So I, I think that's eventually what they're going to do. Well, here we go again in Buffalo. Another season of optimism quickly turned into a dumpster fire. Add in COVID shutting down the team for a two-week stretch, and this season just might be even tougher to digest than some of the other painful ones we've seen in the last decade. And that's saying something for the team and the city in western New York State. Jack Eichel was supposed to be the catalyst to change all that, right? Second overall pick in 2015 behind Connor McDavid was supposed to be the franchise-changing center the Sabres have coveted since probably back in the days of the late Dale Howard Chuck. But here we are six years into his NHL career, and the Sabres have consistently been one of the worst teams in hockey. How many playoff games have the Sabres played since Eichel landed in town? Zero. Zero, 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 zero. At what point do we say maybe, maybe Jack Eichel isn't the right guy? Or at least just not the alpha dog? Buffalo has tried everything in their power to try and appease the product out of Boston University. They signed him quickly to an eight-year deal worth $10 million annually. He's been surrounded by top-end skill players. Drafting Rasmus Dahlin, who was, remember, he was supposed to be this generational talent on D. Supposed to be the next Nick Lidstrom. They signed former Hart Trophy winner Taylor Hall. They traded for and then signed Jeff Skinner. They drafted Sam Reinhart, Victor Olofsson, Dylan Cousins, Rasmus Ristolainen, and yet collectively it all seems to go to mush. Is it simply a Buffalo curse? In fairness, goaltending has been a major Achilles heel since Ryan Miller left town. But at what point do the Sabres give up on trying to appease the star that hasn't taken them anywhere? No one player can do it alone in the NHL. I get that. Gretzky had Messier, Mario had Yager, Sakic had Forsberg, Crosby had Malkin, so there's that. But you'd like to see at some point some team growth beyond just individual stats. I spoke to two different players about Eichel. And one of them said this, elite talent, but his drive doesn't match it. Best players make those around them better, and he has failed to do that. Worse, he takes no ownership of it either. Another former player had this to say, he's a top 20 talent in the league, but only makes himself good. He's not a playmaker for teammates, he's a playmaker for himself. He needs to go and be a second or third dog somewhere else. 
in both cases, the conclusion is he's not the guy to lead the Sabres. A me-first type that puts up big numbers with bad teams. The Sabres have walked on eggshells trying to appease Eichel, and while he's delivered on individual statistics, he's failed to bring the Sabres back to any form of respectability. Instead of worrying about trying to keep Eichel happy, maybe it's simply time to turn the page. Yes, it's frustrating for the Sabres, but it's also fair to say that they've actually tried. It may not have worked, but they've tried. And I'm sure... I'm just not sure that their $80 million man has actually helped the team as much as they would have liked when they took him six years ago. And that's this morning's Seaball Says. Superstars uh, make everybody better. There are me players in the NHL. You want to find a me team? Well, why don't you assign Taylor Hall to come to Buffalo with Jack Eichel? Jeff Skinner, not his fault. That's just an organization that made a stupid move to give him $9 million a year after he had one great year there. And you go, yeah, it's going to continue on. That organization has been a mess with some really good talent around. I'm not throwing it all on Jack Eichel. You know, as, as producer Mike reminded us, Austin Matthews, if he's born two days earlier, he gets taken instead of Jack Eichel in that draft. He's put up those numbers. He's become a better hockey player but I don't think he's the guy to lead the way. They put the C on him too early in Buffalo, and I think he will have that petulant attitude of I'm going to whine and you're going to move me. He's a Boston kid. You hear names, maybe Charlie McAvoy, maybe the Bruins do something and shift everything and go, okay, we've got to make this big move now and have our Boston guy, and he can be a star for us for the next 10 years. It's disappointing forever linked from 1970, Vancouver and Buffalo, to see where that franchise is right now. You talk about Louis Erickson and $6 million of wasted cash. You had Eichel sit in the press box, albeit they said he was dinged up. Skinner has sat in that press box. Taylor Hall's there for the ride, has been. I don't know where he shows up again. Uh, it's disappointing. I think the one name that you said that sticks out for me is there was so much talk about Rasmus Dallin and just absolutely taking over hockey games. When we talk about the good young defenseman, he's not in the conversation right now of top three, right? It's just not there for him. It's Makar. It's Bowen Byram after a couple months. It's Quinn Hughes. It's Heskin, and it's not Rasmus Dallin, which I thought we would be. Should the Canucks be kicking tires? No, 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 no. No, why would you? It's the age. Now, who cares, though? I mean, you're going to win because of character. I think that's one thing we're learning right now and hopefully building from Peter Pedersen who said, you know, during the struggle, he's that type of guy that just likes to go work by himself, which is great, but at some point, your superstar status grows by you going, anybody who jumps on my line, I'm going to make them better. You know, we celebrated the 400th goal of Patrick Kane, who anybody who's played with Kane goes, man, you get on his line, you just have to keep the stick on the ice and he's going to get you the puck at some point, right? The Sedins, somebody go with the Sedins, they'll fix your problem. I think becoming a superstar means you're not only great, you're going to make others great. Jack Eichel, I'm not sure, is going to make anyone great in his time. And I think the Canucks young stars are learning that too, that we've got to make everybody else better. It's not just about me. But if you've got Pedersen anchoring one line and you've got Eichel as your second line and you can, whatever, that's a one and one A as your one-two punch in the middle. Could you win with that? Well, yeah, but what are you giving up to get that? You got a guy on 10 million? All right. Don't you think, I mean, I'll give credit right now to the Leafs. The way Kyle Dubas has spent money, and to be really top-heavy, it has worked. But you're telling me if you've got Pedersen and Hughes, maybe you get them their next three years at 7 mil, you're bringing in 10 million, and you're anchored with that guy? No. 
not touching them. So, so you're 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 stuck. Probably next year would be very tricky to try to make work um, because of some of the other veteran contracts that you've got in the bottom six. But what's to say if you did a a bow, Rathbone, and a first round pick? Yeah, you've you've lost you've lost the plot today. Go outside, take a breath you think, of fresh you air. Think, so you wouldn't you wouldn't take Jack Eichel? No, I'm not taking Jack Eichel. No, you know what? It's it's the whole story as your second, of the as your character. Second best, as your second best, as your second best forward, you wouldn't take Jack Eichel. Oh, I, I don't mind Jack Eichel as my second best forward. Jack Eichel at ten million dollars doesn't reek as a second best forward at ten million dollars. No, his ticket is way too big. It'll scare people off. And if you're taking Jack Eichel, it's because you think you're going to build a franchise around him, right? Jack Eichel to me might be like a Joe Thornton was in Boston, right? Joe struggles, struggles in Boston, and then has the career he has. Most remember him, San Jose. I don't know if we'll look back at Jack Eichel's career and think of him as a guy, oh, he was great in Buffalo. I think he will find a second team where for the next seven or eight years he will flourish as an NHL superstar. It won't just be in Buffalo because I don't think he wants to be there anymore. I'd do, I'd, I'd do it as, 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 as my second best center. Uh, if he's number two or whether he's a, a one and one a, but if you've got a complimentary piece like a Pedersen to work alongside, you just kind of mentioned, right? Like it can be done with top heavy contracts, right? The Leafs are starting to show that you can make it work to a degree, right? That they're having success where they ultimately filled out their bottom six uh, properly paid accordingly, right? Guys who make less money, guys who were offered a chance to try to win. You know, if the Canucks can try to find a way to get to that in the next, what, 15 months from now, by the time summer of 2022 rolls around and you got Erickson off the books and you got Roussel and you got the Luongo recapture and all that money kind of clears the deck, it's not inconceivable. Anyway, just saying. No, I'm not, uh, I'm not putting the sole blame on him, but uh, the Pagula family that owns it, uh, the last 12 months have not been kind to them. I could see them saying, hey, if you can move that, if you can move that contract somewhere, we could take some younger guys. I could see them like they just I think the Buffalo Bills are what they love. The Buffalo Bills are going the right direction. I could see Eichel kind of taking the attitude and pouting a little bit. And as Elliot said, uh, you got to fix the relationship. It's now two years in. He's not winning. He thinks he should win. Maybe he's not taking the responsibility. I could see them trying to unload that contract, getting some guys cheaper and saying, well, we're, we're, it's for the future and screw the fan base. Uh, Nathan Comox, I do, I do, a, I do Bo first, second, Yulevi, uh or kind, keep Rathbone, do that all day. That's Nathan Comox, Tony the electrician, Bo for Eichel, get off the air. <laughs> Eichel is a stud. Oh man, Perry, there's another one. Uh, John O, no to a ten million dollar Eichel. Six fifty, six fifty, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Fun little conversation, regardless. Weigh in with your thoughts. Colby Armstrong is going to join us at seven o'clock. He'll weigh in with his thoughts as well. What do we got next there, Pear? A little BS or PS or what? Uh, we will get into it. And I tell you what, there are some world-class athletes right around us that we don't know of. We'll shine a spotlight on them. That's next, not P.S., just P.S. Another game day for us, 644, Sportsnet 650. He always tries to be ahead of the game. Harry was in front. Finding stories that matter, sort of. We call B.S. You want answers. I want the truth. It's not B.S., just P.S. with Perry Solkowski. A lot of facts and figures going on in the world of sports. We call it a P.S. You know, they used to say you go golf with somebody and in that four hours, you're going to find out what kind of character 
the guy is all about. Nowadays, it's, well, maybe a game with them. You watch them on Twitch, you find out what they're all about. We had this in the summer from Elias Pettersson. Suck it, bitch. Yeah, he wasn't excited, wasn't playing well. <laughs> and then, of course, there was Snoop Dogg on the weekend gaming and giving up a late TD in the first half. Not thrilled at all. This came in this and everything went bad. This man. With apologies to Greg Ballack, who had to edit all that out. James, your boy wasn't taking it very well when he gave up a late TD. Yeah, he, he didn't behave like that when we were voicing the uh, the video game uh, a couple of years ago. Um, but, man, like, yeah. <laughs> I. I when I was a kid, I used to go over. Uh, we had a we had, we all had a Commodore sixty four, which would play just tons and tons of games. And of course, you you know you you know you copy and you burn all these copies of the games. But man, we'd use uh, the old Atari joysticks to plug into the Commodore sixty four. The old you know the black mm-hmm. one stick red button. And man. No! I'd go over to John Wapping Nizrella's place, and we would play for hours. And, man, those two guys were old-school joystick throwers. They would smash joysticks all the time, right? And it was always one blame and the other. It's like, hey, you know, both our joysticks are broken. Do you think you can bring yours over? It's like, uh, okay, you bring it over. Yeah, you leave it over for the night. You finally go home the next day. The joystick's broken. Oh, Wafik freaked out. He broke it. And you watch John kind of throw it. Man, people, video game rage is real. And it's been going on since pretty much Pac-Man. Sure, you get to see the personality. They're so into it. They make the mistake, and we're seeing it there. Hey, P.S., Luka Doncic is on night, certainly the man. Finney Smith to inbound. Back to Doncic. Doncic pulls up. Three-pointer. Bang! Bang! It's good! Doncic wins the game at the buzzer. Yeah, but do you win by buying the Doncic's rookie card? He's only been in the the league for three years. His rookie card sold for $4.6 million of the weekend. Man, I know you collect cards, but usually it's, all right, has this guy passed away? Oh, it's his rookie card. He's had a 20-year career. Three years in, 4.6. Don't think that makes any sense right now. I think we're going to see the bubble burst on rookie cards and in card collecting because it's been on fire in the last year. The Doncic card has been uh, crazy hot in basketball the last couple of years. Uh, I, you know, I think whether the industry, I don't think it'll go quite as um, um, belly up like it did 30 years ago in the early 90s when the market just got completely oversaturated. I think you may see more of a leveling out once, you know, people can go back to spending money on vacations and stuff besides just real estate, comics, and cards. But uh, that Doncic card is white hot these days. Uh, it is International Women's Day next Monday. All week long at Sportsnet, we are celebrating some of the great athletes in our country, including a star from Tofino, Matteo Olin, surfing superstar who had this memory of her first event when she was only 10. I remember I was allowed to bring, like, my adult friend who could paddle out with me so I wouldn't have to be out there all alone. And we, like, were paddling out, and it was huge. And I remember being terrified. I didn't want to go out. And I was paddled out, and I felt so many nerves. And we ended up, I was like, we made it past the break, and we seen dolphins. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to have fun after I see the dolphins. 
10 years old. She's only 17, the first Canadian to win a surfing medal at the uh, Pan Am Games. She's sponsored by Red Bull. She's going to make a career doing this. Tofino is home. Man, the first time I ever surfed in Tofino, and I say surfed, I think two days in a row. Unbelievable feeling. Hey, let's get behind her. Hopefully she'll be in the Olympics. That's the plan this summer. Local product, Matteo Oland? Yes. Wow. Younger sister, I believe, that surfs as well. So good for her. Wow. Uh, and finally, this is not BS. Uh, man, it is crazy. We understand Zoom calls and, and you have your job, but you can get to somewhere. Take a listen. A traffic cop handed out a ticket to the doctor. So it was time for the virtual court appearance. You've got the judge, the traffic cop, and the doctor who was operating at the moment and still shows up for the meeting. The judge calls him out. So unless I'm mistaken, I'm seeing a defendant that's in the middle of an operating room appearing to be actively engaged in providing services to a patient. Is that correct, Mr. Green? Yes, sir. Or what I sh should I say, Dr. Green, but I don't know okay. that. That's so, okay. Um, I do not feel comfortable uh, for the welfare of a patient if you're in the process of operating that I would put on a trial, notwithstanding the fact that the officer's here today. What's, so I, have uh, another, I have another surgeon right here who's doing the surgery with me, so I can stand here and allow them to do the surgery also. Not at all. I'm, I, I don't <laughs> think so. I don't think that's appropriate. You kidding me? You kidding me? Hey, man, I just, oh, I can't believe they gave me the ticket. Sorry, yeah, oh, no, I cut that. I shouldn't have. Man, that is way too much. On-call is one thing for a doctor, but to be doing that, that is, I wish it was BS. That's PS, everybody. <laughs> Five minutes to uh, 7 o'clock. Hey, by the way, uh, for uh, you loyal uh, Sportsnet 650 listeners, uh, we're giving away a $100 gift card courtesy of our friends over at uh, Zephyr Epic later on this morning, somewhere between now and 9 o'clock this morning, uh, from the first giveaway for the Pass the Puck uh, contest here on Sportsnet 650. So if you were listening during the second period when Brendan Batchelor announced the name of a Canuck player who passed the puck to one of our incredibly talented Sportsnet 650 hosts, uh, if you know what that call was last night, listen for your chance to win, call in, and the first person to correctly identify the Canuck who passed that puck will win a $100 gift card to Zephyr Epic. Speaking of cards and collectibles uh, and a chance for you and nine of your friends to win a private Zoom call with a member of the Vancouver Canucks alumni. So you check out the contest page at sportsnet650.ca for more information and listen somewhere between now and nine this morning for your chance to win. Colby Armstrong joins us next on another Canucks game day here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. <laughs> Let's get it going. It's time to get up. Patterson to the line. Nate Schmidt with a shot tipped in front. They score. JT Miller in the slot with a deft deflection. Jordy Ben dumps it into the corner, and the losing streak is over for the Canucks as Thatcher Demko picks up his first career regular season shutout. These guys are here to break it all down. That was a solid game. Some good efforts tonight. That was a tight, it was a tight checking game both ways. Demmer held down, held the fort down. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Hey. Look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me. This is the starting lineup. Here's James Zabolski and Perry Solkowski. Three minutes after 7 o'clock here on this Tuesday morning. It is game day once again as the Canucks will try to make it two straight against the Winnipeg Jets after arguably uh, their best team effort of the season. 
Uh, something to build on anyway after uh, a woeful start to the campaign. But uh, 3 o'clock pregame show, 5 o'clock puck drop here on Sportsnet 650. In the meantime, Sabalski and Solkowski continuing on. Colby, Colby Armstrong from uh, Sportsnet's uh, hockey department will join us uh, here in just a couple of minutes. And uh, pair a lot of people uh, diving in on the, uh, the Jack Eichel conversation. I think it's only fair that the Canucks would be kicking tires on a player like that in the event that he is available or at least find out what the status of his availability is. Well, re- remember Jim Benning last year, two years ago, when John Tavares was doing the John Tavares tour of who wants me to play hockey in your city, uh, you know, mentioned that, sure, I-, I think you have to as a GM. And-, and I would think, you know, Eichel to me would be more attractive. Someone goes, hey, what about Tavares? I would take Eichel or before I would take John Tavares because there's a there's a contract that somehow, some way the Leafs are still handling it and have their superstars in. I, I just don't think he is necessarily the fit. Um, you've got some money to spend. Jack Eichel may not be that guy. Uh, is he an upgrade? Guaranteed. But why is Jack Eichel? And, and it's funny. He's complaining. Uh, I wondered how long things would be going south at Edmonton before kind of Connor McDavid said something. Eichel doesn't have a Leon Draisaitl around him, right? Uh, Kenny Holland is running a ship in Edmonton that's getting better. Uh, kick the tires on Eichel. I wouldn't want Eichel in Vancouver, though. I, I don't want him on my team. It, it, as a malcontent, as an attitude, or a talent? Or well, you just I, don't I, think I, he's a fit? Put it this way. I think you have to look into character of guys, right? I think there's something to say about characters. Whether Jack has a bad one or not, that's not for me to say. But I do think you have to see and make sure your superstar is the right fit for your room the right personality for your room. If Jack Eichel comes here, is it his room automatically? No, I think the Canucks are learning how to get a culture going with what they have there, and they've got some really good young talent to bring Eichel in. Yeah, you love the talent, but is it a fit? I think for $10 million, you can probably shop in some different aisles and make your team better. There are some that would suggest uh, JT Miller's personality already a tough one. Well, uh, for, sure, we've, we've dealt with team. that for the past month. Yeah, we've dealt with that for the past month. And and we're we're finding that out, true or false. We're not sure, right? I think that's so you're, the beauty you're, so of you're last not night. Saying, so you're not saying that it's an attitude with Eichel, but you're but you don't trust Eichel from an attitude standpoint. I'm just saying it's it's <laughs> hey, it's Kevin what Costner are you draft saying? day. It's Kevin Costner draft day. Make sure we check out about this guy. Why, you know, is he the right guy to, to place in? I think you kick tires. I'm not a Jack Eichel fan. That's okay. Good luck to Jack Eichel. Congratulations, you make that money. You're a heck of a hockey player, but you might be a me hockey player. You're with Taylor Hall. He's a me hockey player. You talk to any of his teammates, those who've played against him, that's kind of unfortunately how he has been labeled. Doesn't make people better around him. I don't know if Jack Eichel does. That's not what you build a hockey team, a championship hockey team with. Uh, But you do build it on talent. Right, I think you can agree. Yes. Talent, talent. You sure. need talent to win. Um, and is there enough of it with just Pedersen and Hughes going forward? Um, you know, here's Langley, fun guy uh, on the Dunbar Lumber text line at six fifty, six fifty. I think the Canucks should kick some tires on Jack Eichel. You'd have to give up a pretty penny, but Jack wouldn't have to be the guy as much as he's had to be in Buffalo. Would provide speed, grit, scoring to a lineup that needs it desperately. And him and Petey Hughes and Horvat as the base of this team for years to come. Notice how I didn't include Besser. Would Eichel be a fit at all? Uh, so there's Langley Fun Guy thinking that Besser would be the core piece, uh, possibly going uh, uh, the other the other way in that area. So. Yeah, well, Jack Eichel's not coming here. Someone texted in Matt DeShane. Exactly. 
Matt Deshane's a decent hockey player. Matt Deshane oh, doesn't make everybody I better. Oh, I think right? I think I think Jack, Eichel's I mean, better I than Deshane. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think yes. you can go quite there. But yeah, I mean, I guess in fairness, to a degree, Deshane was kind of seen as that guy for a long time. But 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 Eichel's Eichel's in a different category as Matt Deshane. I think even in 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 Deshane's at the apex and the prime of his years, I don't think Matt Deshane was in the same conversation as Jack Eichel. So no, no. Uh, let's bring Colby Armstrong walking into this hornet's nest here in Vancouver, bright and early uh, on this uh, Tuesday morning. Colby, how are you, man? Good morning, gentlemen. How you doing? I'm doing oh, well. Living the dream. We're all excited because we're all hearing that we're going to get at least one dose of the vaccine by July now. So we're quite quietly optimistic. So yes, let's, let's go. go. Let's go. Great. I hear you. Um, tell me this. Uh, just from a from a from an outsider standpoint, should the Canucks at least kick tires on somebody like Jack Eichel in the event he's available? Well, why wouldn't you? He's a pretty darn good player. I know it hasn't been going great in Buffalo, and uh, I think you know when you're around a team like that or on a team that has struggled or a team that can't get over the hump of expectations of what they want. Um, some kind of negativity follows, you know, maybe certain players, but. Um, you know, you can see what he's able to do. He's a game breaker guy. He's got speed. He's got skill. He can, um, you know, bolster your, any team that he'd definitely go to. I don't see why you wouldn't. Colby, do guys, and I don't want you to say names, are there, are there superstars in this league that um, don't necessarily make the guys around them better? There's guys in the league that, are, are good, are superstars, but I wouldn't necessarily say are like lead singer, if you know what I mean. Yeah, um, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Know, I think there's really good players that are, you know, um, probably better suited, you know, working the backup vocals a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Let's What's put there, a band uh, together, Colby. You Who's your lead <laughs> vocalist? Is it is it Sid? <laughs> Who's on drums? Yeah. <laughs> exactly, right? Like, I think you look at a guy like Sid, and then you look at when they acquired, you know, Phil Kessel, who was the lead man in, in Toronto for several years and all, a very good player, a good hockey player, I think came in there with, you know, the ability to be himself and play his game kind of in the, you know, in the passenger seat type of thing. Uh, Colby Armstrong here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, the Canucks finally end a four-game slide last night. I mean, the conversation here for probably the better part of the last two weeks has been sell, sell, sell assets. Um, you know, I guess, do, do, is it teasing? I mean, do you just, do you look at that now or when you kind of get maybe, you know, your best team effort of the season, does it, does it, does it change the mood? <laughs> when, when you're so out of it, right, when you're so out of it and all of a sudden you get an effort like that after a few days off from the rink, like, what does that do for a team? Can it galvanize it, or, or is there still a big picture like, guys, it's only one game. we got a long way to go. Like, how, what does that do, one win? Well, last time I was on Vancouver radio was the 3 nothing lead blown in the third period. We went to the Oilers. And, yeah. you know, that, things weren't going very good. So I, I honestly thought that that game, too, they played really, really well up until the end of the second and into the third with a couple quick goals. But – um, you know, they were jumping, they were physical. It was like kind of like that Travis Green, Vancouver Canucks team, lunch pail style with, you know, youthful skill and everything that we're used to seeing. And, and it, it fell apart. So I think 
you know, looking at last night's game, I saw it go up three, nothing. And I'm going, Oh, we'll see how these guys handle this one. <laughs> and um, obviously a, a much better way to finish it off with some key saves from Demko and, you know, everything kind of came together for, for a nice win. The interesting thing about like the way it's set up right now and, and being out of it and obviously games played is, a, you know, you look at that and you look at the other teams, you can see, Oh, they're right there. Then they're five games more. Yeah. But at the same time, you've got to you've got to win your games. Still, you've got to win your games in this division, divisional play, because you know those are massive point swings in any you know series of games when you're playing certain teams. So, um, you know, I like to think that it's something with the type of play that they're having, um, but the ability to to feel good after last game for something for them to build on, and and who knows what can happen. But I, I, I see what they're saying. I mean, you, you lose guys to, you know, free agency and nothing for them. And, you know, you, you've got, um, you know, some new guys come in and, and Nate Schmidt, also Hoaglander, um, lots of promise. And it's kind of it's kind of been a little bit of a, a slow go, um, you know, for these guys or even this team to kind of take off. So, hey, man, it's Vancouver. This is a hockey-loving market. And, um, you know, uh, expectations were – you know, kind of on the rise and no one really expected anything in years previous. And it's kind of risen to this place where you're expecting a lot of of good stuff. And, um, you know, I can see where the attitudes can shift to that, but I I don't know. I don't know right now, you know, what you can do, um, you know, until you get like, what did Holglander go 14 games without a goal? You got Nate Schmidt finally starting to chip in as well. Um, You know, you, you know, it's, you're trying to make assessments and look at your team and look at wins losses and look at like the overall product. And, you know, you can't get everything running smoothly at the same time. Uh, So it's tough to make a real assessment of what your group really looks like sometimes. Colby as a player, would they walk to the rink in Winnipeg this morning? Uh, I don't know if you can say a lot of confidence. They won one hockey game, but the way they won it, no one played great. Everyone played really good. Like as a team, that, yeah. that's as solid as they've been for 60 minutes. So are you that much more confident because it wasn't one guy snipes the hat trick and the goalies, uh, you know, incredible? Yeah, I think it. I think it feels. I think you feel good about just like a 60 minute effort, which is, you know, kind of what you know this team has been looking to build towards. And you know, that's something you can build off as a group. I think you're you're feeling good going in the rank. I think, you know, the way they scored their goals, like shot shots from the point, traffic in front. Um, you know, battle plays off the wall, one battles low to high. Like those are the kinds of things that's like you expect of this team and the way they play. So, yeah, I think, you know, anytime you have a positive or anytime, um, you know, you're able to, you know, buck a trend or, you know, uh, get, get your team going on the right foot. Those are things that you can build off as a group. It's always like kind of like little things or a bunch of little things that lead to a big thing, whether it's a win or, you know, that confidence, confident feeling moving forward um i think i think that's big i think that's big for any team so yeah i think the canucks will be walking to the rink feeling pretty decent about their game and 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 pretty decent about hoping to carry it forward you you look at you know hey look i mean this whole season's been about the canucks essentially going off the 18 wheeler remember that expression there at one time oh Colby? yeah hey, I, I, I remember that. That. <laughs> <laughs> weren't you driving yeah. weren't you driving that 18 <laughs> i was controlling it like a puppeteer from the press box when i was out with injuries but yes. uh, i was I've got a piece of that but i know the feeling man yeah so so that's been kind of the the mood here uh with the sort of vibe that's been going on here in vancouver but then you look you know, all of a sudden we're kind of seeing 
all the warts are starting to pop up here um, in the in the North Division across the country, right? Montreal mm-hmm. firing Claude Julian last week. Then you got the Calgary Flames. Calgary. Now. They, oh. They've lost seven of ten. Here's Milan Lucic on our sister station on uh, the Fan 960 in Calgary last night. Listen to this here, Colby. I want to get your reaction to what's going on there in Cowtown. Here's Milan Lucic essentially calling the team out. You hear a lot of outside noise talk about coaching and all this type of style of play and all this bullshit, but you know that has nothing to do with the coaches. That, that has everything to do with the guys that are playing and the guys on the ice. Fair? I think it's fair, yeah. I think it's fair. <clears throat> and then, you know, what went viral last night? Not the game, nothing. It was their warm-up and them all running into each other and shooting pucks yeah. off each other's heads and faces. I mean, that was, <laughs> you know, that was That was crazy. crazy. You know, they win the game, though, in Calgary, and, and everyone's saying, oh, they were loose, they were feeling good. And <laughs> instead, it's the opposite. But, you know, you speak of their record in their last 10 games, um, you know, whatever they have, two wins in their last eight games. Um, you know, it's it's dire right now for the, for the Calgary Flames. And, um, you know, whenever that happens, I think we're just, you know, accustomed to, you know, someone's got to take the fall, something's going to happen, people aren't happy. And so head coach Ward should be the guy to, you know, change things up a little bit. And I think, you know, I, I think that's the message inside the room usually when things go like this. Like, listen, this is on us to turn around. This is on us as players to kind of uh, figure it out. And we were saying that about the Canucks for the longest time, right? Like, they dropped that game. Like, why mm-hmm. did they drop that game a week ago? It's because, is it more mental? And I think it's more mental than anything for a lot of these guys. And it's a lot to do with confidence and um, you know, and sometimes when that starts to slip and, and things start to slide a little bit, um, it becomes a lot more, you know, difficult and fingers start getting points and it usually ends up on the coach. So I think that's really fair what Lucic said, Milan Lucic said, and um, the message inside their locker room to their guys. Yeah, and Kachuk said it last week. Milan says it now. Uh, there was a cartoon character in a Montreal paper yesterday that was a uh, caricature of Carey Price with the name Overpriced. Oh, I saw that. He- Oh, man, he's taking some heat. Do you think they'll th- – I mean, they've made the coaching switch, but is that the one team when we collectively put them in with Vancouver and, and Calgary that Montreal will figure it out? This is just their, their three-week bad run? Yeah, I think there's always been right question marks with Montreal. A lot of people were – yeah, you know, I was one of the guys that said, I think they're going to be one of the better teams in the division. I was that guy. And I think there's a lot of people that said, no, 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 this isn't what they are. And I think they've kind of been like that 50-50 team, right? Like there's no bit, there hasn't been like a definitive um, agreement that like this is the team of the North Division. You know, they're solid defensively. They pest you. They hound you. They have speed. They have tenacity. They're deer, um, you know, big and strong and can match up against anyone and then carry price. And there's still kind of question marks, you know, you know, 50-50 split of, of what they're really going to be. Um I do think they'll figure it out. I do think they're better than what they've shown as of late in their slide that they've been on. Um, and, and it's, you know, once, once something happens, it's, it's amazing how kind of, you know, I guess I would say vultures come out to prey on the, on their circling overhead kind of thing. And, you know, playing in markets like Vancouver or Montreal, you can feel it definitely in the dressing room a, a lot more. And, um, you know, so there's always going to be those question marks in those markets when it happens, but, I think they've got, I think they've got, you know, a, a forward mix that obviously you'd like to have, and they've had it this year, tons of goals, but you'd like to have like that consistent, uh, uh, you know, top, top, top centerman. Um, you'd like to have, um, you know, I think their decor. I've said it before, is I think the best in the league, 
um, when they're going. They're physical. They can move pucks. They're fast. They're mean. They can chip in offensively. Um, and then you put that in front of top goaltending, well, supposed to be top goaltending in Price and, uh, and Jake Allen, and you've got a pretty good mix there. So is this a, like a tough stretch for them? I like to think so because, you know, the way they started and what the contributions they've been getting, and I know Josh Anderson's injured, um, but the contributions they've been getting from new guys or even the back end leads me to, and their style of play, right? Like they're a frustrating team to play against when they're on and their style of play that just seems like it's, it's got to come back to them sooner or later. Or they've got to get, you know, a few of those positive points in their lineup or their team clicking for them to, to get over this hump and gain some confidence. See, it's so much easier to have somebody yelling uh, at a team when you're not on it, right, Colby? Thanks yeah, for this morning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, life in the broadcast booth, so much, so much gentler, right? Oh, it's, well, I don't know. Some nights it's uh, – <laughs> yeah, I, we... I don't know about that, actually. Well, you're talking about the nights you got to work with Carolyn. I get that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Nice to catch it's up, man. Me, man. Thanks. Yeah, Thanks, Colby. talking to you guys. Thanks a lot. Appreciate Take care. It. There he is, Sportsnet hockey analyst Colby Armstrong, weighing in with his thoughts on uh, where the Canucks are at right now, the struggles with the Calgary Flames, the struggles with the Montreal Canadiens. It's crazy, Pear, that you look at – and Sonia has not waiting to jump in here, but you know the Flames have lost, what, 7-10. The Habs have lost 7-8, uh, and yet – the Canucks still find themselves you know, well behind uh, these teams, which just really speaks volumes to just how epic this Canucks uh, belly flop was to start this year. Well, then there's, there's still more than half the year left. But, yeah, enjoy the games. Don't look at the standings. Maybe in two weeks' time. In another week, right? You can get on a run. You can get If you can win four and offset how bad you were to start. But, uh, listen, we, we talked about how good we thought the North Division would be. Right now, it seems, you know, there's one team that's kind of hanging around, and I can't see the Leafs spiraling. Uh, they've battled through some injuries, and they've played some really good defensive hockey. Uh, I think they will run away with it, but let everybody come back to the Canucks. It'll make it interesting. Hey, look, the Canucks may be a long shot. They might be having to sell assets, but the good news is is by the end of July, we're all going to get poked by at least the first dose. Right, Aslam? Yeah. Woo. That was delayed. <laughs> I thought you guys were going to keep talking and just cut back my time. That's fine. Oh, we're not wow. that. We're not oh, that. It's wow. All about you. wow. Yeah, it is. I sped in once again. Sorry, I didn't speed. I went slightly above the speed limit to get here on time. <laughs> there is a difference. Early bird doesn't get the worm, apparently. I'm not a morning person. I'm not one of those people that's good morning and all chipper and excited at 6 no. a.m. I'm not that person. I'm a night owl. Perfect for a morning show, Sonia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so, I still hey, showed I'll, up. <laughs> we're going to get into it uh, with Ron Toigo, owner of the the uh, Western Hockey League Vancouver Giants, yep. uh, on the other side of this. But uh, Adrian Dix with good news yesterday, wasn't it, as far as uh, junior hockey and then being able to play? Well, he's saying that they have a deal that's been approved in principle, which all that it means is it's a fancy term for it's not really done. So um, they're saying, yeah, you know, like the Cougars, the Giants and so forth, they can go ahead and play this season. But we're trying to get details in terms of what is that going to look like and what does that mean and what are the health protocols? Are they any different? Or is it just like the Canucks? And there's still quite a few questions and his office didn't really answer any of them yesterday. So at three o'clock this afternoon, we do have uh, an in-person briefing with Dr. Bonnie Henry and Adrian Dix, the health minister. So that's definitely going to be asked again in terms of 
you know, A, why did, why did it take so long and what is it going to look like? And is this now just in place moving forward? Because as you mentioned, you know, the vaccine rollout is happening and we by April will have at least 22 million, if not plus doses. And the vaccine rollout, apparently, according to the province, is going so well that people are actually being moved up the list. So people will actually be able to get inoculated much faster than we thought, meaning by July... Of 2023. (laughs) Of 2026, yeah. Yes. Uh, So by July of this year, the plan is that everyone in the province should be able to get at least their first dose. That's a win. Really? Yeah, it is. It is. It's huge because for a lot of people, the plan was, you know, oh, I have to wait till September. Oh, I got to wait till maybe October, blah, blah, blah. But now it's like, no, maybe by midsummer, you'll be good to go. That's encouraging. That is very encouraging. Uh, it's it, like it, it's like the light at the end of the tunnel is getting brighter and brighter. <laughs> yeah, so. and, and the numbers, and at least you know the encouraging thing is the AstraZeneca now uh, vaccine has now uh, been you know given the green light by Health Canada over the last week, and so now there's there's three different ones that are out there now. So it gives you know more options, more volume, and yeah. hope more help and and more of a, a chance to get back to normal. Uh, nice to catch up. Did you like that Canucks performance last night? Uh, we didn't lose, so yeah. And I don't know, Perry, just don't check the standings for a week. Come on. It, we, we all know I what's know. happening in the standings. It's devastating. We could have been so much better this year, and we just weren't. Uh, but- I'm telling you, the year's not over. I'm just, don't check it for a week. It's, it's like your stocks. Don't check it. We're bouncing back, baby. It's one game. Okay, sounds good. I know. <laughs> Aslam, Aslam, you see what I have to deal with for three hours every day? I'm so sorry. Positive, Perry. <laughs> Positive, Gary. <laughs> Too Aslan. positive. Bye, boys. There she is. There's salty Sonia Aslam from News 1130 from just down the hall with the latest of what's going on in the world today. So at least some optimism in the air and obviously some optimism for the Western Hockey League at uh, Perry and Sonia just alluded to as well. We'll talk to the owner of the Vancouver Giants, Ron Toygo, on the return to play for the Western League. It's been a minute for them, but it seems like they'll play. You know they'll play. They'll play in a bubble. What will they play? Will they get help? We've got some questions that need to be answered. Ron Toig will try to provide some of those answers next right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day here on Sportsnet 650. With respect to the WHL, uh, their proposal has been uh, reviewed, and uh, and uh, I think uh, it's fair to say it's been accepted, and, uh, and uh, we hope that the season will proceed. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Well, there's uh, BC Health Minister Adrian Dix and uh, some good news for the uh, British Columbian Western Hockey League teams that uh, will be allowed to drop the puck. Uh, we've seen the Alberta teams uh, get uh, get ready to roll already and five BC teams, including the Vancouver Giants, uh, ready to resume. Uh, Perry Solkowski, James Sabolski kicking it with you. It is game day here as the Canucks and the Jets go back at it. It is a 3 o'clock pregame show here on Sportsnet 650. Puck drop coming your way at 5 o'clock. Uh, don't forget your Canucks in a song submissions. We've had a bunch of them coming in over the course of the morning. We'll find some time to get to those and hit the music coming up in just a little while. You know, your Canucks commute coming up at 8 with Dan Murphy, but Big win last night for the Canucks, and I would say a big win for the Vancouver Giants pair as uh, they've been waiting to hear this news for uh, almost a year now. Well, you know, I saw some clips from some junior hockey players just going, it has been so tough for them, and I understand it. And we had Gary Volk on, and there were some people on the text line 
you know, agree or disagree. Uh, the fact is you wanted to make sure everybody was safe. And if we can now get the health minister signing off, um, as tough as it will be and, and no fans in attendance, we would assume uh, good for these kids who that's all they've done their whole life is pursue hockey. And for some of them to be so close to cashing in on that dream or possibly, you know, going to college, doing something uh, to finally play the game they love so much of what they've known and had it taken away from them for six months. It's uh, it's great, great to see and good news. And, and Toygo will join us in a moment. It's got to be a little bit of a relief and, and good on all the owners of, of teams in the Western Hockey League, in the BC Hockey League, to, to kind of stay the course in what's been such a tough, tough time and essentially put the kids first and go, let's get some games in for these kids so they can at least play and continue their pursuit. Uh, just a reminder, uh, today is the uh, the first opportunity to win uh, a $100 gift card from our good friends over at Zephyr Epic uh, with the Pass the Puck promo that is uh, going on here on Sportsnet 650. So if you were listening last night during the second period to when Brendan Batchelor mentioned the name of a Canucks player who passes the puck to one of our wonderfully talented Sportsnet 650 uh, hosts, uh, you listen sometime today for the call out, and if you're the first person to correctly identify the Canuck who passed the puck, you get a $100 gift card courtesy of our friends over at Zephyr Epic and you can also have a chance for you and nine friends to win a private Zoom call with a Canucks alumni so listen for your chance to win sometime this morning. Uh, the owner of the Vancouver Giants finally with some good news he's been waiting for that uh, man you're going to find out you're getting a vaccine sooner rather than later and uh, also you're allowed to play Ron good morning sir Good morning James how you doing today? I'm good morning, thanks did, did you go and celebrate at White Spot last night with the, some of this news? Every chance I get. <laughs> what does this mean anyway? Um, it, well, I think it means we're going to be able to play. Um, we, we, you know, we haven't seen exactly what's been approved. Uh, we've, we've been going back and forth for some time with um, a few variations. But I, I think the, the overall plan, that the last one that we've given them, you know, it's fairly detailed. It's, it's quite comprehensive in all the things that, that uh, we need to do from the testing to um protocols and all the rest of it so i, I we we felt fairly confident that it that it that this one would get approved it's just a matter of when and uh and i think um you know we're all prepared to move forward on it ron can you give our listeners an idea of what it will look like how, how will it set up will you be in, in some bubbles here in the province the plan the, the last plan that, that, that they were given uh, as uh, us and prince george uh, moving up to Kamloops to stay in a hotel there. Uh, it's virtually across the rink, so so it's uh, you don't need any travel for that. And then Victoria would move to Kelowna and uh, operate out of there, and and uh, the only road trips would be between Kelowna and Kamloops. So it's uh, pretty manageable and um, and, uh, and and 24 game schedule, so quite compact, and you know get it done you know, within over two months and. Uh, Give the give the scouts a chance to see what these guys are all about and prepare them for the draft. And, uh, and the guys that aren't in that category still get a year of development in and um, get ready for next year. You uh, obviously, I'm assuming, no fans in the stands. No fans in the stands, and uh, you know, and then also the the, the 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 sanitization requirements, the testing requirements, and it's uh, an extremely expensive format to go with. But uh, we're also, uh, you know. Uh, planning on getting some financial support from them as well to help offset some of those costs. The government? From the government, yeah. Would you, uh, how quickly, if they approve it, Ron, uh, you know, and you've got the two-bubble situation, 
Uh, how quickly would you be able to turn on the lights and go? Are you like a week away if they say yes and it's approved? Well, yeah, well, the quarantine issue still we have to deal with, which uh, we certainly will be doing. But, uh, no, our guys are ready to go. Our guys have been uh, training on their own, skating on their own. Um, you know, once the quarantine's over, we'll get into full practices in, at our training facility in Ladner and uh, and then and, and head up to the bubble as soon as we can. But all indications are, you know, the earliest start would probably be the last week in March, and, uh, and then, you know, failing that is probably the first week in April. Ron Twego, uh, the owner of the Vancouver Giants here on Sportsnet 650. Just going back to what you were saying, that there, there was a suggestion that um, the B.C. government could be offering some financial assistance. Is that is that confirmed? Like, did you guys get a thumbs up from, from the province on that already? No, we haven't. We, have, we haven't got a we – have, we don't know exactly what is in the – what the uh, approval is. Uh, all we know is that um, what he said yesterday, that um, – that uh, we will be playing and um but uh the premier uh two two or three weeks ago kind of made a commitment that uh he'll make it work to, to get this to happen and um i'm sure from what he's been doing in the background is has uh had a lot to do with getting to this point Ron, how tough has uh, listen financially on any owner and yourself yeah you're not in this to play with no fans but you're, you're doing it so the kids can get that option. Scouts can see them play. Um, how often have you been talking to, to your head coach and, and talking to the kids? How, how difficult has it been on them? We had Gary Volk on yesterday, his son playing in the BCHL, and he just said, man, it's been tough on his kid. Uh, how tough has it been on these junior players that wear the Vancouver Giants uh, uniform? Well, it's um, – it, They've been fairly good at, at keeping. They've had uh, weekly Zoom calls with everybody, and and, and so you know it. It's been pretty. They they fer, fer, kept up fairly well up, up until lately. But as uh, everybody started playing, but us, it's really ramped up on um, on their anxieties on what's going on. Are we going to be able to play? And uh, since uh, the other team started playing, it, it it has become quite a challenge. And so this announcement yesterday is. Uh, been um, you know practically euphoric for a lot of these players and uh, the the guys have been calling the tweets and all the rest of it's been uh, uh, far as they're concerned we're we're getting ready to play tomorrow but you know we don't have all those details yet to give them so but um, no it's been stressful on uh, not just the players the coaches the management uh, uh, everybody working uh, for the organizations. Uh, and and the financial impact has been absolutely horrendous for virtually every team from in the BCHL and the Western Hockey League, and uh, it's something that'll take. That you'll never recover. This, this is unrecoverable. What, what all these teams are going through right now. With, with that said, or, or from what you guys as an organization have kind of had to deal with, are we talking six figures or seven figures in terms of losses, Ron? Oh, we passed seven figures quite some time ago. I mean, uh, just just losing the end of last season, we were down over half a million. At the end of last year. End of last year, and then going into this year with zero revenues, and we we haven't laid anybody off yet, so we've carried everybody through this. So that you can just imagine what it's like now. Ron, when we had you on when this kind of first started, you you questioned whether if it lasted a long period of time, if indeed we might lose some teams in the Western Hockey League. Um, you, you think that's still the case next year? May we be something that that this may have hurt somebody that they can't recover? 
I haven't heard that anybody to, to date. Um, well, I guess Portland changed hands. Uh, that was, uh, and they did go into bankruptcy. But uh, other than that, I haven't heard of any other teams that are in that position. Fortunately, you know, most most of these teams are um, not. People aren't relying to make a living off of them, so uh, they've been subsidizing them to to the extent that was required to keep them operating. But you know, um, I think it'll take a couple of years to, to wash out. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, over the next two or three years, um, people realize that it's just uh, too difficult to come back from, and, and they move on and sell the team. But it's a good 24 hours, though, in a big picture here for you guys. At least a step in the right direction. I think any positive news is is is, uh, is a good step in the right direction, and uh, and you know, hopefully we can build on it and and get over the you know get get it to the finish line, as they say, and uh, and make this thing happen. So uh, you know, over the next week, we hope to get more details and understand what what it is what is in uh, what what the minister Dick's comments are, and. Um, and and follow up on you know like I said the the premier did make a sort of a commitment a few weeks ago to get this thing uh, going and uh, and I think it's starting to come to fruition. Thanks for this, Ron. Appreciate it. All right, thanks, guys. There he is, Ron Toigel, the owner of the Vancouver Giants. Um, yeah, I guess a, a ray of sunshine in some respects, but. At what cost, right, over the last year and the impact? Um, you know, in, in one breath, you, you look at, ask realtors what the past year has been like, and they probably want this pandemic to continue, or or, or builders and contractors. But, you know, if you own a pro, pro sports franchise or you own a sports franchise, this has been absolute murder for the last year. And Ron Toig was speaking about that firsthand. But they'll play, in all likelihood, a, a hybrid bubble here uh, in the province of B.C. in Kelowna and Kamloops, the Giants and Kamloops pair, and, and the hope that there will be some financial assistance. And, you know, look, I, well, I think people key. can debate, and I think people can debate whether or not, uh, you know, you know, helping out, um, you know, sports franchises. But the reality is, is like they have taken an ass-kicking financially over the last year as a business here in the province of British Columbia. Well, as he said, it's going to take years to get out of this. And and so what do you do of an owner? Where do they normally make their money? Hey, we're going to jack up ticket prices. I don't think you have that card to play. Not what we have gone through as a society and, and the job loss that is encouraged. You're not going to come back and go, oh, so quietly now Giants tickets are more, Canucks tickets are more, Lions tickets are more. I just can't see that. Um, but at least they're playing if you, you get the help. And as Ron said, they're playing so these kids who make a drafted will be seen, can be scouted, and you go from there. But uh, you're not just going, oh, yeah, I know that 2020 season was a rough one. Uh, you're going to see the effects for a long, long time, much like any other business, but especially in pro sports. All right, uh, 744, your Canucks commute coming your way at the top of the clock. Sportsnet's Dan Murphy will join the discussion as well. 650-650, the Dunbar-Lumber text line. Much, much more still to come here on your game day on your home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650. Now it's This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. 
Well, you just heard your uh, cue to call in at 604-280-0650 for the Pass the Puck contest. If you were listening to the broadcast last night with Corey Hirsch and Brendan Batchelor, you would know what the answer is, so dial in for your chance to win a $100 gift card courtesy of Zephyr Epic. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski with you. Solid as a rock. Yeah, a wow. good Canucks and a song submission from the 80s and pair. Are honestly like just as a team effort, they were sold as a rock last night. We haven't seen them look like a team much this year, but last night against the Jets, we certainly saw that. And the two wins that they've had against the Jets, that's when we've probably seen probably their two most complete efforts of the year. I, I don't know if I'm more gasped by what I saw or the fact that all their Canucks and the song submissions are in the 70s and the 80s today. Um, hey, it was great, and he, and you have to take it into it means nothing if they lose tonight. But take the positive and how they played, and they weren't chasing a hockey game. Winnipeg was. So if you actually look at, you know what, there's there's Shifley and, and Connor who played four or five minutes more than the lotto line because they were chasing the game. So the Canucks able to distribute the minutes in that game to show that they were going to be resilient. I mean, I was the first Texan people, man, they're up to nothing. I'm looking at the odds of the Jets to win the game because that's the Canucks for this year. Credit to them. It means nothing if they don't win today. But if they win today, a little more giddy up and everybody's step going, okay, that's okay. Let's let's see what they can do. But, yeah, they were exactly that, solid. No one was spectacular. Everyone was good. Everybody uh, was good. Um, it, it, there was a lot to like. Um you know, I, I'll tell you what, I love Pedersen's effort along the wall with the empty net, right, trying to protect the lead. And, you know, just strong along the wall, forces the turnover as the Jets are pressing in the offensive end, and Petey takes it the other way. Um, loved Hoaglander trying to, uh, you know, love the the creativity attempt. But, man, more than anything, they created traffic. Look, you know, Per, to go back to what you were saying, the Canucks have not chased a lot of games lately. Right, they have late, nope. you know, but but they've, they've let them go. They've let them go. They've got off to good starts. They haven't been able to sustain them. Last night, you get three goals on the first five shots of the hockey game, and you know what? You shut it down as a team, right? Like there weren't a lot of glorious chances for the Jets last night. Now look, this is a team that pushes back really well on the heels of a loss. I think they're what five zero and one now, or six zero and one when coming off a loss in regulation. So be prepared for a big Jets pushback tonight. But I love the way that the Canucks kind of they stayed with it, man. They stayed with it as a group. Everybody came back to the defensive zone together. You don't see that much this season. Simplified a lot, right? There was no great shots from the point. There were just shots that were going to get through. Uh, and whether it was a little bit of luck on their side, hey, give the skill to Miller and Hoaglander to get that stick on the puck, and, and it goes in. Yeah, a little bit of luck for Nate Schmidt. You take that. But, you know, as Schmidt was saying afterwards, hey, you know what? The, as the D-man, they said, let's not worry about walking the line. Let's just find the space and get the puck through to traffic and see what happens. Maybe it's bouncing off somebody to somebody's stick. Lord knows it's happened to them enough in the last three months. So, Try that. Do they keep it simple? Is it easier to simplify when you have an early lead? Because those couple of goals came against the flow. So we'll see what they can do. It, it's one game. It means nothing. So many people texting in. Yeah, it, you know, don't you get off the high horse. They won one game. I know they won one game. That is not a streak. That is nowhere near a run. And I'm not sure that I would be confident that they win tonight. But it doesn't matter what I think. If they walked in that rink today in the cold weather, 
and go, let's do the same thing. And there's some questioning of how tough mentally Winnipeg is, and we've heard how good they have been. And, and talking yesterday uh, to Sean Reynolds, go, man, this team is mentally tough. They can get it from everywhere. Well, maybe the Canucks might be able to flip the script one more time. You come home, and, and then you still have to continue the run. There's no game they will play where they will be favored right now, I would think, even the way Ottawa's playing. But that's okay as long as they believe in the room. You never know what happens. Uh, by the way, congratulations to John Dukas, uh, who won this morning's uh, Pass the Puck uh, contest. Uh, he knew that the correct answer was Horvat to James. Yeah, there's a winning duo. I, although, I, I, to be honest with you, I totally put it What'd wide. What did you do with the net. puck? I totally yes. put it wide, Pear. That's that's just hands of stone here. That's how I always kind of played. Uh, just a reminder, though, for everybody, you got to listen during the second period when Brendan Batchelor announces the name of a Canuck player who passes the puck to one of our Sportsnet 650 hosts. And you, just like John certainly did this morning, gets himself a $100 gift card courtesy of Zephyr Epic and now also qualified for a chance along with him and nine friends to win a private Zoom call with Canucks alumni. So all you got to do, visit the contest page at sportsnet.ca slash 650 for more information. It's the Pass the Puck contest here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. Your Canucks commute is next. We'll dive into much, much more what went down last night. Look ahead to the rematch this evening. And don't forget your submissions for your Canucks in a song at 650-650. Dan Murray Murphy joins the uh, conversation. Not Ann Murray, Dan Murphy joins us next right here on this game day on your Sportsnet 650. They're not coffee drinkers, but they still keep it right in the mornings. That second year is really tough. That, that 3.4 next year is, is a real challenge. Like There aren't a lot of teams that are willing to take on money. You know, for 10 and 3.4 for next year, that's, uh, that's causing a problem. The Canuck Commute on the starting lineup. There's Elliot Friedman, uh, Sportsnet Hockey Insider. Yeah, that uh, 3.4 next year for Jake uh, is a uh, more than just a roadblock, I would say, right now for the Vancouver Canucks. Nevertheless, uh, a little positivity as the Canucks pick up a big win last night over uh, the Winnipeg Jets. They'll try to do it again. Uh, don't forget pregame show at 3, puck drop with Batch and Hershey coming your way at 5 o'clock this evening. James Sabolski, Perry Solkowski, a reminder that this hour of the starting lineup, a presentation of our good friends over at Surrey Honda. Visit Nasir and the gang at Surrey Honda, located at 152nd and Fraser Highway, where you'll find quality and community. Uh, quality effort last night by the Vancouver Canucks, a team effort last night for the Vancouver Canucks, and a big reason why they were able to hang on for a shutout win, the first in Thatcher Demko's career. The one thing that the Vancouver Canucks, uh, hey, everybody in this fan base thought you're going to Winnipeg. You can't win in Winnipeg. They've won there twice. I know Murph and the guys, and we'll have Murph on momentarily, the house of horrors. Hey, they fixed it, but it's one win. And it's great to see everybody's excited. They've got the win. Realistically, it does nothing for the standings. If we continue to have this conversation for two weeks, check the standings. But for now, the way they played was how they have played first periods for the last month, James. They just were able to carry it on. Do you believe they can do it again? I'm not so sure. But, I mean, Travis Green has felt that he's liked the way they've played hockey. Uh, the one thing that struggled and they didn't need, they've got a power play goal from the second unit after the first unit was absolute garbage on that first power play. Got off the ice, and they just simplified everything. Throw a puck at the net, see what can happen. They get the break off the stick, you're up one nothing. They capitalize seconds later. Credit to them to ride it out for 40 minutes, but it's easier to score first and then hold on than it is to chase. They didn't do any chasing last night. 
No, they well, they, and, and and look, they haven't chased a lot of games so far this year, or at least the last three weeks. You know, jumping out to leads, it's been blowing these leads that they've already blown more leads uh, with multi-goal leads uh, than they did all of last season, and they did it in a two-week stretch. So last night, hey, look. I think what Travis Green did over the weekend to let these guys breathe certainly seemed to work at least, you know, for one night anyway, right? Like that looked like a different team out there last night. They looked like a team, man. They looked like a team. It's it like it sounds so obvious, but man, like when was the last time you could say that about this Vancouver Canucks team where, you know, we've criticized guys for trying to do too much, right? Oh, here's JT Miller trying to go rogue. Oh, look at this. Quinn Hughes is trying to do this. Guys trying to make individual plays. Parrot last night, man, it was a total buy-in. Like, you look at the way they played structurally defensively. We haven't seen that maybe at all this year. It's something Nate Schmidt had talked about um, after the last game. It's when they give up a goal, someone thinks they have to do something special. And it went from uh, from the we to the I. I've got to do something. It's, it's up to me. I've got to do it rather than let's all do it. John Garrett pointed out very well and obvious, you know, the five guys back to defend. There was a time where the, the neutral zone against the Vancouver Canucks was like the Autobahn. I mean, guys could just rip right through there. There was none of that anymore, and there hasn't been for a while. They're picking guys up. One guy goes in, next forward stays high. Let's make sure we got control of it and you're not giving too many breaks up. And to the flip side of that, James, how many times have we watched this team play and said, shoot the puck, shoot the puck. They're trying to make the pretty play. Man, everybody shot the puck. Sometimes unexpectedly going, oh, that's not a great angle, but you're shooting the puck. Simplification is what we watched yesterday. And if you're a decent team and you simplify your game, you're okay. And if someone had texted in, hey, if you simplify your game and get a little more space, then it's not like I wish he is creative. They've got a lot of creative guys, so we'll see. We'll see if they can build off what they did last night. If they can't, then I'm not going to say this is false hope because I think people are smart enough not to get their hopes up. But see if you can do it again against a very good hockey team and then take what's in front of you. But two in a row, you need three or four in a row continually to get out of the of the, the terrible trench that you dug for the first two months of the season. Here's Thatcher Demko last night suggesting that this was the best defensive effort he's seen in front of him all year. I think uh, over the last handful of games that our, our defensive side of the things is, is coming along really nicely. And, um, you know, tonight was – kind of the pinnacle of, of building up to this point. And, um, you know, as a group, we just got to keep keep going and keep growing on that side of things. You know, like Hammer said, having that foundation, that consistency there and being able to rely on that and kind of going from there. So there's that Demko and, you know, uh, the Jets finishing with 27 shots on goal. But, you know, there were a couple of saves that Thatcher Demko had to make that you went, okay, there you go. Like a solid, not spectacular but that, I think, also speaks to the defensive structure in front of them last night, just how this team played. They kept stuff to the outside. How many times have we criticized the Canucks offense over the first half of this season that everything was too peripheral? You know, they did that to the Jets last night. It's about a month ago where Thatcher Demko kind of said, I, I wish they wouldn't refer to the term as bubble Demko because what we saw in August was ridiculous. Um, and I didn't hear that term once yesterday, and there was no need for it. Because what he was was a well-positioned, solid goalie, didn't let up a lot of rebounds, and had guys in front of him letting him see the puck. Again, a simple game for him. And, and he kind of went on to say, hey, I don't know if it was the best, but I've had some easier games. Rather than, hey, here's 42 shots, steal the game for us. Didn't need to steal the game. Just don't give one up and let them back in the game. 
Again, I didn't think anyone was fantastic. I thought everybody was good. It's not a bad formula to win some hockey games. Uh, the other moment that I think caught the eyes for a lot of people last <laughs> night was the attempted lacrosse goal that people have been waiting for since pretty much the beginning of January. Probably for the last 18 months, uh, people have been waiting for Niels Hoaglander as a Vancouver Canuck to try it. Uh, he tried it last night, failed, but I think people love the attempt uh, or the effort anyway. Here's Niels Hoaglander on the uh, attempted lacrosse, or the Michigan, if you will. Yeah, I mean, it was good opportunity to, to try that uh, but nothing happened so yeah I think it was a good try to to try that fair oh I love it uh, I love it hey you know Trevor Zegras did it in Anaheim yesterday got it up was trying to take it around the, the the post but got it knocked off his stick I love the fact that the kid does it hey timing is everything like to feel that okay we're in a position in the game you could do it you know Thatcher Demko was asked post game hey it's three nothing they pull their goalie. There's four minutes left on the clock. Were you thinking if ever there's a time that you might be able to waste one down the ice and Demko wouldn't go there, but by not going there, it was like, you know what? Yeah, the situation might have worn itself. You're never going to take that out of the game. And you, you don't win with pure creativity until you've played a smart team game, but it opens up for creativity. He's going to pull it off sometime, James. The one thing I'll be disappointed in, if he does it this year, there's no one in the stands. Because can you imagine the building? Can you imagine if he pulls that when he does at home sometime, how crazy it'll be? Because everyone's, it's going to come, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. We'll see it at some point. Uh, Dan Murphy will join the conversation. Hey, look, I don't mind. I mean, we're seeing it more and more and people trying it. I, I just wonder... You know, you really got to be quick on it, right? Like, that kind of spoke to it, and he kind of fumbled the puck there briefly. But, you know, you got to be so quick to be able to scoop that thing up and jam it. And, and you know, you look at the size of goaltenders, um, you know, and you look at how that was read last night from a Winnipeg standpoint. Like, Connor Hellebuck was having none of that, right? Like, big Connor Hellebuck was just shutting that down. It was like, if I'm going to get beat, I'm getting beat through all that traffic. Like that was the encouraging thing from a Canucks standpoint, like the goals that did go in, it wasn't anything fancy Nancy. You know, these are all the goals that have essentially kicked this team in the butt for the last, what, six weeks where, you know, Nate Schmidt just simply getting a puck on net and kind of works its way through. It goes off cop and then it's in the back of the net. JT Miller with the redirect, Hoaglander with the redirect, you know, getting some traffic, some much needed traffic, getting bodies to those dirty areas, you know, the high percentage scoring areas. The Canucks certainly benefiting from that last night. and We'll see if they can try to carry over that success into tonight's fair. Uh, Dan Murphy, Sportsnet reporter, joining us here bright and early this morning on your Canucks commute. Good morning, Murph. Good morning, boys. How goes today? It's not Calgary. It's a win. No, no. It's a, it's a, it's a victory, first and five. They'll take it. And you know what? I, you know, I thought they were full value uh, for the win last night. Um, I do wonder sometimes if opposing teams – uh, go into games a little bit sleepwalking, uh, thinking it's going to be easy, and I don't know if that was the case with Winnipeg last night. Uh, but certainly, I mean, uh, to go into that building and win twice in the fashion they have this this uh, season is a little bit surprising, just considering the history in that building. Like I, I think because uh, I haven't been there for these two, but I think I've only seen one victory in that building since the Jets uh, came back uh, into the National Hockey League. So. Um, you know, against that goaltender in that building and that team that had been rolling. I thought that was a big win. But Murph, I would think you kind of sound like us. Do you believe they do it again tonight? 
Well, I mean, I, I think when you see the way they played and, you know, it's nice to get some positive reinforcement because uh, Lord knows we've been talking about the process enough, but um, I mean, Winnipeg really didn't have uh, much going last night offensively at all. Um, you know, with a few minutes left in that second period, I think they were only up around uh, 12 shots for the game. Yeah. Um, so Vancouver was doing an excellent job. Uh, the, the forwards with the back pressure, uh, they were standing up the blue line. Yes, they're crowding the neutral zone again, but I mean, these are the things they're trying to do to, to have success and to, to tighten up defensively. So, uh, yes, I mean, I, I think if they play the way they did last night, uh, they can follow it up with another victory. But I, I don't think that Winnipeg is going to be as easy to play against this evening as they seemed to be last night. Um, you know, they've got such uh, you know, high-end talent on the top two lines. Uh, even the third line uh, can be dangerous uh, as well. So I would expect some, some major pushback tonight from, from the Jets, who you know, missed out on an opportunity last night to go into second in the division. And, uh, and I think they'll be, they'll be ticked about that. Well, and, and so, look, the, the one thing that the Jets have certainly shown this year is that they're incredible at pushing back, coming off a regulation loss, and the numbers mm-hmm. have certainly shown that so far this year. But, you know, whether it was a fresh tank of gas that helped this team, you know, it's a great way to kind of get off on a start. And, you know, somebody made a point at the outset of this show, Murph, that, you know, the last thing, when, you, when you're in a funk, the last thing you want to be doing is going to the rink every day and playing again and again and again because it feels mm-hmm. like Groundhog Day. But... You pick up a win, and you pick up a solid team win last night. They got 13 and 24. Like after having that th- the three day break, like they got a murderous schedule here up until the 24th of this month. Uh, they go back to back here tonight. But if you get some confidence, man, this could certainly bode well for them if you're going on every other night here. Yeah, and you know, I, it can I, go two ways, right? Like that's the oh, only concern. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, the, the, you can you can dig up and make up ground on teams in the division because that's who you're playing. And you know, I made the point yesterday of, you know, when you think how poorly this team played in January, right? I mean, defensively, they were just terrible. You move into February and they win twice. And I, I think it's a little bit surprising when you look at the standings that they're not further out than they are, which sounds mm-hmm. funny because, you know, they're two back of Calgary, but Calgary's got a couple games in hand. They're, what, uh, three back of Montreal, Montreal's got four or five games in hand. So, like, you know, is it, uh, you know, would it be a large ask to make up that ground on the Habs? Yeah, it would be. But I don't believe it's insurmountable, considering you get to play them five more times as well. Um, and it's just unfortunate for the Canucks that they didn't take advantage of this time that the Flames and Habs were scuffling a little bit and to make up more ground in this North Division because they really could have over the last couple of weeks especially considering the way they, they kind of had played and, and, and blown some leads and, and let some games slip away. So, um, you know, I, I think, you know, you have to be realistic about it. You know, that was just a third win in just over a month. Um, but again, I mean, when you see them play in that fashion last night, it has to give you a little bit of belief that, you know, that the season's not a total write-off yet. Um, you know, they're still going to hope to make the playoffs. I think it's a large ask to catch. Uh, Montreal, I think they'll still kind of figure it out for that uh, the playoff spot. But, um, you know, they are within shouting distance, which is kind of surprising considering the way the first two months of the season went. Yeah, I, I think we used previous seasons ago. There's just no way, but never before have we seen this many games uh, intertwined with teams that you were chasing. Murph, yesterday Travis Hammack was one of the Canucks who spoke post game. I think if we were to look at guys who have exceeded expectations this year, Jordy Ben may be the one guy who – 
who masks some difficulties with his play. But how much does Hamannick help these guys? Because I thought last night was kind of the first night he was noticeable and a guy that looked like he'd been around the block for a while and can calm some things down. Yeah, no, I agree. I thought last night he uh, he was noticeable in a in a good way, uh, in a calming uh, fashion, a calming sense. Um, and you know, you have to believe that he's still working out the kinks, right? I mean, this is a guy that opted out of the bubble uh, in the summer, didn't play uh, for Calgary, uh, doesn't get signed until right before the season starts, uh, you know, and gets hurt shortly thereafter. So he hasn't played uh, too much hockey here in the last year. And I thought that uh, last night's game, he looked like the player that uh, many thought the Canucks would get when they signed him. Kind of, I don't want to say Chris Tan of White, but uh, someone in the same vein. Uh, you know, someone that really uh, you know, plays a similar style as Chris Tan. Uh, not a lot of offense, but sound defensively, good with the first pass, good puck retriever, and someone that can be a bit of a safety blanket for Quinn Hughes. And uh, I agree, Perry. I thought last night, uh, you know, there's a handful of plays I saw uh, for him to get out of this, get out of the zone, out of his own zone, uh, where he looked very calm and uh, confident, and um, you know, hopefully that wasn't just a one-off because uh, they could really use him back there, uh, especially now that we see Quinn Hughes. You know, his his individual numbers are starting to get back on the proper side of things because the first six weeks of the season, I mean, I, I think we all were a little uh, wondering what was going on with Hughes defensively. Um, you know, uh, Ben helped him out a bit, but I think, uh, you know, Hammack is even one step clear of that. Uh, Dan Murphy here on Sportsnet 650. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Jake, the the gift that keeps on giving here in Vancouver <laughs> Sports Radio. Um, Murph, uh, you know, things kind of hit almost a fever pitch on Saturday and then kind of calmed down. And, and I think kind of the reality setting in that um, – there's a lot of money on Jake's uh, ticket for next year. Mm-hmm. That seems to be a sticking issue. I, mean, I, I look. I mean, if 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 you're going to find a suitor, the Canucks, as much as the reports suggest that they don't want to, uh, you know, they don't want to take any money. Man, does it not feel like they're going to have to take some sort of money to absorb a three point four million dollar hit here for next year for a kid who's got one point this year? Well, I mean, they don't have to because really, if someone's asking them to keep back whatever, how much? Let's say five hundred grand. Um, you know, back is it is it worth it uh, when you can buy them out and only cost fifty grand against the cap next year, mm. right? And five hundred the year after. I mean, you, you you have to weigh it against that. If 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 you go to ownership and say, are we going to have buyouts this this uh, summer? If we can't move him, I mean, it's going to be better for you cap wise to buy him out than to retain any good portion of salary in a trade. So I think you have to weigh that. Now, if you're getting back a player that you think is going to help you or gives you an option uh, moving forward, then uh, maybe that factors into it. But, um, yeah, I mean, $3.4 million in actual cash next year, uh, that's a big ticket. Um, you know, I know the cap, it's only two five five, uh, but there's a lot of cash-strapped teams at this point uh, considering uh, what the last year has looked like. So, um, you know, I, I know the Canucks, it's not palatable to them to, to have to retain salary in, in a move. Maybe they will have to. Maybe Anaheim uh, will want to revisit this trade uh, because, you know, it's been a couple times this year where you've heard the Ducks uh, and both times are kind of the the deal uh, got, got quashed haggling over some money. So they don't have to because I think the buyout is an option. Uh, but if they're making a trade, you know, they might just have to stick to their guns and say we're not we're not retaining salary. Murph, humor me this. Let, let's pretend Jake gets on a roll for two or three weeks and his mm-hmm. stock is high. 
are they've decided they they would move them if someone was interested and it was all straight across they didn't retain any any money or would they go oh, maybe finally he's here did they move past that <laughs> i think they've probably moved past that now um yeah. i mean i thought i thought jake uh uh has looked actually pretty good the last couple of games right and i know that the bottom line is not there but i thought that uh, he has been noticeable and in, in inserted into a top six role. Um, I thought that he's looked more dangerous and more confident. I thought he's looked more physical. So uh, maybe just the fact that his name has been out there has given him a little bit of juice as well, a little bit of energy. Um, but, uh, you know, I think if if you're hearing, if they're talking about moving him now, uh, considering they just qualified and just gave him a two-year deal, I think it's safe to say that probably there's there's too much water under the bridge now. Uh, but, you know, never say never because uh, I think we all thought going to last offseason that uh, of, you know, Vertan and Toffoli, Markstrom uh, and Tanov um, and Vertan, like who was the guy we thought was going to be gone? He's the guy that's still here. So mm-hmm. I guess we can never say never. Uh, thanks, Murph. Take the rest of the day off. Or at least, at least until at least until five o'clock. At least, at least until at least until five o'clock. The rest of the day off radio, maybe. <laughs> okay, okay, you got a hall pass on that. Thanks, buddy. Okay, Take Bye. care. Uh, there he is, uh, Dan Murphy, uh, joining us here this morning on your Canucks commute on Sportsnet 650. Uh, presentation of our friends at Surrey Honda. Visit Surrey Honda located at 152nd and Fraser Highway, where you'll find quality and community. And while we're at it this morning, pair. Hey, remind listeners uh, li- tonight. If you're listening, don't forget pay it attention for the pass the puck contest pair real simple where you can win a hundred hundred dollar gift card courtesy of our friends at zephyr epic and also qualify for a private zoom call with you and nine of your buddies with a member of the canucks alumni hey john was our winner this morning and uh was able to nail the winner knowing that it was horvat passing it to uh which sports net 650 personality yours truly and it's the pass oh the puck contest presented by canstar fire and flood just like that, easy peasy, can't start fire and flood, your life restored fast. They did restore my life once, man. Can't start is good. I had a, had a serious issue. They came and helped me out. It was good. You know, it's funny. Horvat passed the puck to you. It reminds me, we're playing during one of the lockout years. We were allowed to go through training camp with the Canucks. And it was a two-day training camp. Like, you had to get in there early and you would skate. And it was wrapped up by playing an alumni game. You weren't in the city at that time, were you? I don't think so. Did you ever go through that? Crow was the coach. I'm on a line with Craig McEwen and Scotty Rintoul. Mm. Neither of us are dangling, right? We have a three-on-two, and I think a pass to one of us goes right into the corner, right? Because we can't make a pass. We head back to the bench. I'll always remember. Crow goes, I go, boys, three-on-two, never a bad thing. Dump it in. Three-on-two, never a bad thing. Dump it in. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. Not good enough. I had a brief, very briefly, uh, back in the early 2000s during the West Coast Express days, I was, uh, I was able to sneak into the, uh, the trainer's skate uh, after the morning skate on game days. Nice. That, uh, that you would uh, see, so you'd have like Eric Crawford would get onto the ice. Uh, you'd have uh, a few members of the training staff. Then Rod Brathwaite would get out there as well. There was a cameo, TC Carling, and then uh, Dave Nonis and Brian Berkey would make like the odd appearance a couple of times uh, that he'd really? step out onto the ice as well. And um, yeah, but then it became very, very, very exclusive. So I was only out for a few games, but there was a time many moons ago. Hey, while we have a quick moment, uh, what do you say uh, we hit the music, Canucks in a song? A lot of people jumping in with their submissions this morning. Uh, Dorn and Victoria had this submission here, Pear. It's Pink Floyd's Breathe. Breathe. 
Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of people breathing a little easier anyway. And I hey, look, I get it, man. Like this team's not out of the funk just yet. I mean, like the the priority should be more about selling assets than anything else. But I'll tell you what, amazing to see just a different energy amongst uh, Canucks Twitter last night uh, with a complete effort victory, like we saw. Well, you know what this hockey team does when they they play well is they seem to put uh, everybody in a positive mood. Uh, And and that's a good thing, James. And it kind of brings us to to what we want to talk about, too, because the mental game in partnership with the Friends of Movember is now out. You can find it. And the one thing that, you know, in in the tough times that the Canucks have had in the last couple weeks, boy, when Tyler Mott and that story that he showed and how, boy, they could use him back in this lineup, but... Uh, Mod stepped up to talk about his mental challenges and what he does. You can see it on Sportsnet. Ryan O'Reilly is there, former Blue Jay pitcher Ricky Romero, who's done a, spent a lot of time in these parts. All athletes that have stepped out to talk about something that needs to be talked about, not just for one month, but 12 months a year, James, and especially and what we've been going through in the last little bit here with COVID. Well, look, I mean, I think a lot of people have uh, certainly uh, been tested mentally over the last year. A great story that we heard even this morning uh, here on Sportsnet 650 with respect to uh, Tyler O'Neill from the uh, St. Louis Cardinals and, and what he's overcome uh, from Maple Ridge, the product, uh, who was a gold glove winner last year. But, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's the mental game, and, you know, it's uh, – <laughs> I think a lot of people, and, and you know what? Hey, look, and I think a lot of people are really feeling it now, right? Because you've been, it's been, we're coming up on almost one year to the day since the world shut Man. down on this pair. Yeah, that's exactly it. And, and these athletes, uh, they share some strategies. Tyler Mott, if you didn't see the, the feature, says, man, he makes a daily checklist, reads a chapter of a book, something he hadn't done. Tyler O'Neill, you mentioned Maple Ridge, plays the piano some yoga, playing guitar is something that the St. Louis Blues' Ryan O'Reilly does. So, hey, think about it, talk about it, anything to help the mental game in partnership with Movember. Watch the full series now on sportsnet.ca slash the mental game. All right, still to come, uh, more of your submissions, Canucks in a song, 650-650. We'll get to uh, much more of that. Uh, plus, uh, the sky is falling in Calgary. Nice to see somebody else going through some struggles in this country uh, these days beyond just the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, we'll get to that story as well as Milan Lucic with some pointed comments for his teammates as well last night. And uh, much, much more still ahead. It is game day. Canucks, Jets, right here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. Wow! I feel good. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. So good. I got you. Never go wrong with a little James Brown, especially when the sun's starting to pop out here at the beginning of March. Nah, there's nothing wrong with this. There's nothing wrong with this any time of day. Get a little sax going. If you were to learn how to play the sax, this is all I'd want to know how to play. Yeah, walk away. Pick it up, play that for five seconds, walk away. Oh, you're a sax player. Now that's all I know. Are you not learning careless whisper if you can play saxophone? Come on. What is, uh, I can't, uh, I don't know. Is it people, like if you're, Balak, you're walking somewhere and you see a sax and you play a little bit of careless whisper, people just, you've got them in a downer mood. You're learning the Benny Hill. You're learning the Benny Hill. The yakety sax. If you're that, you're that piece, that puts people in a good mood too, right? Something like yeah. that. It's like learning smoke on the water on a guitar. Uh, yeah. This is all I got. That's it. 
My brother, actually, we were in a hotel in Seattle, and he was a little bit of a musician. There's a piano there. He sits down, and he plays a little bit of Super Tramp. They've got a couple killer piano riffs. And it was like a walk-off. He went crazy for 30 seconds and walked away. And then I said, do you know all that? He goes, no, that's all I got. I go, that's good enough, man. Everyone's looking at you like, put a sifter out there. You're getting money sent to you. If anybody likes horns, go find or give it a search the Soul Rebels cover of Sweet Dreams from the Eurythmics. Tell you what, if the Canucks pull off the shock and awe tonight and beat the Jets again, I'll make it my Canucks in a song tomorrow. Sweet Dreams, Soul Rebels. Find it. I dare you to not be able to tap your foot or bounce to that song. Uh, by the way, I kind of missed it earlier, but uh, we should remind people that uh, Dan Murphy, when he uh, hangs out with us bright and early here on Sportsnet 650, he is a presentation of David L. Young of Dexter Realty. Dan Murphy on Sportsnet 650, brought to you by David L. Young of Dexter Realty, here, there, everywhere. So thank you, David L. Young, and thank you, Dan Murphy, for joining us bright and early this morning here on the starting lineup on Sportsnet 650. Hey, let's play something. I know we're into the Canucks, but if you didn't hear what Milan Lucic said yesterday, we watched one coach in the North Division lose his job, Seaball, and I wonder if we're getting set for another. Uh, We heard from Kachuk. And last night, Milan Lucic speaking about the effort the Calgary Flames have had in the last couple of weeks. Take a listen. You hear a lot of outside noise, talk about coaching and all this type of style of play and all this bullshit. But, you know, that has nothing to do with the coaches. That has everything to do with the guys that are playing and the guys on the ice. Yeah, and how often does the coach take the hit when the guys on the ice aren't doing it? I wonder if Jeff Ward might be a fall guy if they can't straighten things out right now. How many times do you want to just keep pulling the plug on the coach, right? I mean, you've kind of run with this core for a few years. And, you know, I I like the fact that, hey, look, I like Brad Living in the sense that he is not afraid to make a bold move with his team. And he's done that multiple times over the last, what, six, seven years since becoming GM in Calgary. Now, right now, he's got his financial uh, biggest financial piece that he added in the offseason, Jacob Marks from sidelined, and where Big Dave, uh, Big Save Dave, uh, looked like a wonder kid last week for one game against the Leafs. Now Big Save Dave looks like more Big Siv Div, right? I mean, he, he like he, oh, look, he wasn't very good last night, and the team in front of him isn't very good. But how many times do you want to just keep chalking it up to the coach, right? Well, like, what are their what are their options, right? I I think. Listen, they have to make some changes to this team. When your heart is being questioned and your desire to win, and you look at their lineup, I honestly, if I look at the Canucks lineup and the Flames lineup, you figure the Flames are winning now, and if they're not, then this team's going to be in a tailspin for a while. I, and they've got some, you know, it's great that Luch is talking. Luch is actually playing well. But Giordano all of a sudden has slowed right down. There's a, when you're questioning the heart, it's not the coach's fault. It's the GM who put it together. And I'm sure Trey Levin will try and fix it, but how many times this guy's the busiest GM every summer and he hasn't found it. And if it wasn't for great play by Markstrom and big save Dave being fantastic last week in Toronto, they're probably hanging maybe even below the Canucks because they haven't had great spells of hockey all year long. They've had a goaltender who's kept them in games and won them games, but that's a real mess right now in Southern Alberta. I didn't have the flames in the playoffs this year. I didn't have them as one of the top four teams in the North. Did you see this? Uh, I thought they had righted the ship. That I, I would never have paid that much for Markstrom, but for the here and now, I honestly thought they could challenge and win the North. But 
man, those close to the team has always pointed the finger at Johnny Goudreau and character. We got into it with Eichel. I just don't think Goudreau is passing that test with this team. He's got to be moved, and he can't do that right now, and he might have difficulties with it. Well, look, you know, the, you, you look at this team, and, you know, your captain, your, your ace on the uh, – your ace on the back end is 37. You know, he's getting up there in years. You know, Goudreau got off to a good start. I think he's kind of slowed down over the last little while here now. Um, I think you look at Sean Monaghan, same sort of deal with him. And, and I, I like Sean Monaghan as a player. But, you know, is he a franchise center? Mm, probably yeah. better suited to be. You know, a second-line center, probably on a, on a Stanley Cup contender. I like Sean Monaghan. Um, I just don't know if he's your franchise center. And, you know, Elias Lindholm, I, I think the same thing, where there was the talk at the beginning of the season where, hey, look, there's a new top line here in town, right? And Elias Lindholm and, and what he is bringing to the table. And, you know, there's another guy who has really kind of slowed down. Like, I think he's got, what, three points in the last ten games, right? So there's another key piece that that's that quick start look. I think Jacob Markstrom, when healthy and playing at the top of his game, masks a lot of deficiencies for the Calgary Flames, right? And right now, he's been away for the last week. And guess what? The team's being exposed for what they are. Yeah, and and the one guy who's been a constant when you watch him play has been Mangiapane, and it's kind of a work rate, right? You're going, okay, they've got some skilled guys that maybe don't want to get dirty. And, you know, when you're playing a little pond hockey, which is how the first month of this season started, you're okay. And upon hockey, hey, goalie made us a save. Great, let's go get another one. But you've had Kachuk step up. You've had Luchit step up last night. I guess we'll see Giordano step up at one point. But what else can you do? Unfortunately, I just think this hockey team, the expectations around it were so high. The Battle of Alberta and what we're going to see. I just think, hey, there's there's a lot of teams that have been in in, uh, in tailspins. I don't know if Calgary's pulling out of theirs, though. Unless Markstrom comes back and is incredible again. I just don't like the makeup of that team. I'm a little surprised that they've gone the way they have this year. Okay, some uh, some other news uh, around the National Hockey League this morning. Uh, NHL player safety announcing that Alex Chason will have a hearing today for the cross-check on uh, the Leafs' Jimmy BC from last night. Uh, the Leafs picking up the win, so Alex Chason in some hot water uh, facing... You know, I'm going to I'm going to guess you're probably looking at probably two games I- I'm going to assume here on this one. You know, when you're when you're talking hearing, uh, yeah, you're yeah, you know, you're that's, that's you're gonna my get pick. a couple. Uh, you're gonna get a couple. Um, other news: uh, Sidney Crosby not available for tonight's game. Uh, he will be listed on the NHL's COVID protocol list. Sidney Crosby on the protocol list with the Penguins. Uh, you know, we've seen the numbers go down and down, with the exception of probably what happened with Washington. This becomes the the biggest of names to not be available to play tonight. Yeah, and, and you know, I guess the question is how how long does he miss? But Sid's been good this year, man. Like Sid's mm-hmm. been very good. Uh, you know, you look at Evgeny Malkin's numbers this season and look at that in comparison to Sidney Crosby. Like Sid's been Sid's been still there for the Penguins so far this season. Uh, the Ottawa Senators also announcing today that Derek Stepan uh, is done for the year needs uh, shoulder surgery so the thought remember there was talk a couple of weeks ago that they're going to try to trade him uh because from a family standpoint uh but it now looks like there's a uh, ongoing uh, wing issue if you will shoulder injury that uh, he needs surgery on so uh Derek Stepan 
done for the season for the Ottawa Senators, who have now won three of their last four games. There, we got the worst of the Ottawa Senators, so it might have been bad timing with Montreal, but for the Canucks, they got the best uh, time for the Ottawa Senators. They're fun to watch. I mean, you watch those guys. They can scoot around. I mean, it's the beauty of playing with no pressure. But right now, they've got some guys where you go, man, this, this team is two or three years away from having a really nice core of players who are going to be loaded with some confidence right now. Uh, disappointing for them to lose that, but I have no problem watching a Senators game. They work hard, and they've got a lot of creativity. Well, they're still only three points back of the, well, of the Vancouver yeah. Canucks, and they've got a game and they've got a game in hand on Vancouver. But Pear, I said this before the season. Look, I think we all agreed that they were going to be the last place team in the North. But I, I said, mark my words, the Senators are going to win fifteen to twenty games this year. They've got eight so far in twenty-four games. Right? That that slides right into. So they are going to be a buzzkill for a lot of teams in the North Division this season. They beat the Leafs already twice this year. They've won three of four against the Montreal Canadiens this year. You know, the only team that's absolutely punked them is the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, and to Dan Murphy's point, um, you know, everyone thought, well, maybe Ottawa would be the easy out. That is not the case. They were against the Canucks, but. You know, really, in the last month, if you had a team that the opposition would go, all right, this will work, it would be the Canucks team quite possibly, right? That maybe the Jets didn't take the Canucks uh, serious enough yesterday. I think every pro team is ready, but maybe not as as much as they will be tonight. But I I like that Ottawa team. They have at least started to compete, right? And you wondered if if that may be the case. They compete and the skill comes through. And let's go go back to goaltending. Murray was terrible for the first month of the season. They get some saves, keeps them in games, and then the young talent's been pushing through. Well, and, and you know what? You, you look at the Senators, and look, they're not there yet, and they still got a ways to go, but look at their leading scorers right now, right? Batherson, Kachuk, Shabbat, Stutzla, Norris. It's the kids, man. The kids. Play the kids in a situation when you're going through a rebuild. You want to see that sort of hope and optimism going forward. And I think that's what Senators fans see right now. Hey, a reminder that this hour is a presentation of our friends at Surrey Honda. Visit Surrey Honda located at 152nd and Fraser Highway where you'll find quality and community. You'll find more of your Canucks in a song uh, hits coming up in just a moment. And some final thoughts before we look ahead to tonight's game between the Canucks and the Jets. Don't forget, 3 o'clock pregame, 5 o'clock puck drop. The Got Rintoul Show coming your way at the top of the clock. You got it locked in here on your home of the Canucks. And it's game day, people, here on Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. John, with this submission from this Sergeant Pepper Lonely Heart classic, getting better uh, from the Beatles. And the Canucks certainly were that last night in the win over the Winnipeg Jets, blanking Winnipeg. Now, what can you do for an encore? We'll find out at 5 o'clock tonight here on Sportsnet 650. Can you imagine playing Canucks in a song seven years ago today? How would you have captured what you witnessed? One of 54,000 people in the stands for the Heritage Classic. The Canucks lose to Ottawa 4-2. They've got those rockin' Vancouver Millionaire jerseys, but Torts sticks it to Roberto Luongo, 
and actually does not play him, Eddie Lack gets in. Man, how do you how do you put that into a song? As we go around and think that Torts is on the very thin ice again now in Columbus. But yeah. Seven years ago today was the vintage game, the classic, Heritage Classic. Fifty four thousand there. Just didn't work for me. Is that not the most forgettable uh, outdoor game ever? Well, yeah, because it just didn't make you force the issue. I think we were still living off 2010, and you came up with the idea. But if you were there, it was interesting. But as much as a fail, failure it was in Lake Tahoe, that played out, right? That well, it was, just, it was just there was just such fatigue, I think, around the Canucks at the time. The team was, the team was clearly falling apart. Uh, they were having a bad year. It was the tort season. You realize that okay, this wasn't maybe AV's problem. This was a this was an on ice problem, that the expiration date had hit. But you know, ticket sales were sluggish at best. I mean, fifty four thousand is probably kind. I'd be curious as to how many tickets were papered for that day, um, because there were empty seats there. You know, there wasn't there wasn't a buzz. It didn't feel like much of an atmosphere for people that will watch that game and. Um, yeah, it just didn't have the energy, didn't have the vibe. It didn't feel like anything like an outdoor game. Uh, there wasn't a winter element, you know, there was rain in the forecast. It was just, eh, you know, there was, it was just meh, just at one of the more forgettable moments in Canucks history that is remembered more for the benching of Roberto Luongo that ultimately led to the trade. What, two days later? Well, that's, but that's, that's exactly it. It's not about the game. It was about how Luongo was handled, and it was leading up to all that. And Torts took it upon himself rather than go, hey, you're the right guy to be here and celebrate what has been done. And he decided to make it about himself and that decision. And you're right, it, it didn't work. I don't think, you know, I, I think in, in conversation recently when we saw what happened, there's more talk about, hey, maybe we can take that game up to Whistler, which makes more sense and would be more, I think, embraced by Canuck fans and go, hey, let's go to BC Place and do it again. That one just didn't work. Completely agree with you. Seven years ago today, didn't work. You know, and you, you think about it was around this time, uh, that seven years ago, that everything started to, you know, to fall apart, right? You know, Gillis was gone not much longer uh, after that. And, uh, you know, Torres was gone. And, and then the uh, the changing um, seven years ago. I, man, it just. But then they like, made the playoffs, James, right? That's what derailed a lot of things. Then all of a sudden you're a playoff team in 2015. Bo's rookie year. You go, hang on here. What are we? And then the battle ensues. Are we rebuilding? Are we reloading? Are we that good? They would weren't in 2014. <laughs> the old, the old retool. Uh, what do you got tonight on the ice? Uh, well, listen, I, I am a guy who I think you have to react to what's going on. So the fact that we found out only about 20, 25 minutes ago that Sid the Kid won't be in the lineup, I'm going to assume that, <laughs> listen, I, I'm as going to As soon as we talked about Crosby five minutes ago, I said, I guarantee you he's going to pick the Flyers tonight. Guaranteed. That's what you have to do, right? Oh I would play God. the odds and think the Jets bounce back, but I'll take the Flyers who, you know, by the way, the Flyers get no respect. They've lost a few games as anybody else in the NHL. You know, they, that's a good hockey team. I'll take them with no Sidney Crosby and Pittsburgh lineup. I'm going against the the odds again tonight. I'm going to say the Montreal Canadiens get uh, get a win tonight at home against the Ottawa Senators. How about that? That's against the odds in a sense? Just because yeah, the because Senators the Habs have well? lost. They, they've lost three of four against the Senators this year. They've lost seven of their last eight games. Um, and that's why I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to say the Habs find a way to win. 
Listen, when there's a cartoon character out in a Montreal paper that has the back and it says overpriced, I have a feeling the goalie will be good tonight in Montreal. I like I like your play. We'll see how it all plays out. Don't forget uh, the Scott Rintoul Show coming your way at the top of the clock. Uh, pre-game show later on this afternoon on your commute home if you are actually still going into the office. And I know a bunch of you still are. Uh, 3 o'clock pre-game show and puck drop. Uh, love the You know, as somebody who gets up bright and early in the morning, love these 5 o'clock starts, i got to say selfishly. So Canucks game over dinner, uh, puck drop with Batch and Hershey coming your way. We're back at it. Uh, same bat time, same bat channel tomorrow. Ed Jovanovsky joins the show. We'll break down all of what we went down and don't forget your homework assignment as well pair a little canucks in a song we will do exactly that thanks for the submissions two in a row possible uh find out tomorrow (laughs) keep it here on your home of the canucks because it's game day on sportsnet 650